Create, connect, communicate. Create, connect, communicate. Magical, enigmatical, gift of gab, super, natural, story, from the space Come, well lit. All right. Anyway, yeah, we'll just go. We'll we'll talk. We'll chat. We'll have some fun, um, and we'll get into all this stuff. So, are you ready, sir? Yes, I am. All right. Here we go. Zaoan, bonjour, bonjourno, and good morning to each and all of you beautiful people out there surfing the wild waves of life towards beckoning shores. We are broadcasting back from the past to the future with another episode of Firelight Chats from our Space Lab studio here in Da'an, Taipei, Taiwan. Today we have a very special guest for you, a multicultural, multilingual, multifaceted, and singularly multi-talented man. If you're in Taipei, Love to dine with fine, heavenly wine and mouth-watering Italian food, and don't know who this handsome, tattooed chef is, who looks like Tom Cruise, by the way. Oh no, sounds like Tom Cruise. Here's hey, your, here's your chance to get to know much more than you probably ever bargained for. So, without further ado. Please allow me to welcome the main man behind three of Taipei's most talked-about Italian restaurants: Divino Focoso and Divino Enoteca. Chef Enrico Negrini, benvenuto. Grazie. Thank you very much. For me, it's an honor to be here, um, and I, I never had a, such a long introduction in my <laughs> life. So this was very beautiful. Yeah. Happy to finally meet Tom Cruise in person. An Italian Tom Cruise, Italian Brazilian Tom Cruise. Wow, it, it keeps getting better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we were speaking a little bit uh, before we jumped on the air, but I had a chance to visit your restaurant by chance. Actually, we were looking for a restaurant for my mother-in-law, my Taiwanese mother-in-law, and we wanted some Italian food. We were doing some searching, and Divino popped up and kept popping up with you know rave reviews and people mentioning how amazing it is. The menu looked awesome, so we wanted to try it out. We were sitting on the patio space near Tonghuajie, and we saw this handsome man in the kitchen behind the window, just cooking it up, smiling, dancing around, talking with the chef's table, <laughs>、uh, winking out at our mother-in-law, which made her very happy as well.、Um, and the food was absolutely amazing too. So、Thank、we'll、you. definitely talk about that. So I really wanted to invite you in and talk to you about your story about restaurants.、Uh, we also had a chance to speak and. Heard about your very interesting kind of background as well, so we'll get into all these stories.、So. Yeah, I think you described a pretty good night at Divino, but、uh, lately we've been having more and more of those good nights, and I think there's a lot of work behind it,、mm. uh, not just on on the food, but also on our characters and then on our abilities, but. I do have a lot of fun while working, as you could see. I know. I love that. I mean, you have to, right? 
I think so. And I think it's possible for every work. I just hope people would turn into that a little bit more because being appreciative of the little things or just like enjoying the music that is playing at the moment or maybe somebody very interesting in front of you. Sometimes you're in the MRT, you can meet people or you're in the MRT cruising through Taipei in a beautiful day so you can just look outside and smile, right? Like it, exactly. it's up to you to choose that or not. Yeah, I try to choose to be happy. So I sing and I dance and I talk to people and I laugh. Yeah, exactly. I Do you drink think a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's Divino, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's well, divine wine. Not everybody can do that, but that's exactly. part of my job. Yeah, that's that's a Superman right there. We have uh, hidden talents and hidden secrets, right? <laughs> yeah. All chefs do. True, My brother's true. a chef too, so yeah. you know we know stories, confidential <laughs> yeah. kitchen stories. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> huh? Do you think part of that is your? I mean, because your roots are Italian and Brazilian, right? Both cultures yeah. well known for their passion. Yeah, passion, and then I think you could say Brazilians are also known for their happiness, right? Like Big it time. sounds like a happy people, even for who haven't been there, but they remind themselves of like the way they play soccer, the way they, they do carnival, carnival and they <laughs> dance, right? So they're like the barbecues are, are very Shukaskar, intense. Yeah, yeah like every weekend you have to do it. So you invite people. But for me, actually, I think for a long time, of course, I, I always been like a happy kid and very easy to make me laugh. But once I start in the kitchen, I saw another side of the world because especially w when I was in Europe, I was working in Michelin restaurants, Michelin star restaurants mm. and precision is everything, perfection and the respect you take to work. It's almost like a, a officer or in, in an army, right? Like your, your, your chef clothes need to be iron every day. And they need to be super wide, clean. Mm. Uh, and you need to arrive on time. And you know you're going to work on your feet for maybe 14 to 16 hours a day. And then to every question, there's a yes, chef answer in the end. So the pressure is ginormous. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt that that broke my spirit a little bit. Yeah. Um, kitchen can be a hot place yeah, for sure. For, for years working like that, I actually forgot to be happy while doing the things that I love the most, which is cooking. Right. Um, and for me, until then, it was a happy place. Mm. And then it became this dark place that was very intense. And of course, I learned a lot. But I, to be honest, I was not as happy to put my jacket and go to work every mm. day. Uh, and then, of course, now we've been open for seven years in Divino. And I've changed a lot. I do think that in the first years I was coming from that experience. And then also I invested everything I had to open the restaurant. So I didn't want to fail. And I thought the only way to not fail was to go extremely strong on Just those sides. Right? Like yeah. super sharp. I was the single chef for two years. Oh, damn. And we served about 40 to 50 people a night and then i was washing dishes too and i was running it, it was it was mental and then i am actually glad i was by myself because i didn't have to put anyone else through that that, through that suffering right <laughs> but then i think actually for me everything clicked out 
when COVID started and the restaurants all suffered when COVID-19, right? But we actually get to know about it more in the beginning of 2020. Yes. And then in February 2020, I signed a contract for my third restaurant. Oh, uh, and wow. Which we opened in March <laughs> of 2020. Like I couldn't plan better. <laughs> yeah. You're like uh, welcoming in COVID pretty mm -hmm. much. <laughs> so it, it was really rough. By June, we were closed here in Taiwan yeah. and we could do takeouts, but Italian food might not travel so well. Unless like pizza, I think works well. Maybe some lasagna, but our, but like our food, uh, yeah, our food is much diverse than that. Um, so of course we suffered. We receive a lot of help from a lot of friends and customers keep buying stuff or maybe mm. stopping by to get some wine but it was a rough period and then i started thinking about all this balance and being appreciative and being happy just for the fact that he, you're working and it's a full house and people are having fun after being months without i don't know not even knowing if we ever gonna be able to do that again right yeah. like for a while we were thinking wow we're gonna have masks for the rest of our life mm -hmm. and this is gonna get worse and this amount of people are gonna die two percent of the world yeah. population it, it was it was intense yeah you know? it was scary and also unpredictable which is like the worst thing mm-hmm especially when you're risking it in entrepreneurship business yeah. in a different country true <laughs> without speaking much of the language <laughs> it's crazy man yeah. so which one was your third restaurant this one that it, opened in march this is the one in tiamu okay Vinonoteca. okay yeah. so that's your third and the second focoso focoso yeah when was that opened five years ago okay so 2018 yeah and focoso also went through a lot opening restaurants is never It's never easy, It's I feel. It's never a walk like in the park. Exactly. Even when you have already experience, you have a restaurant that is working well, still manage to fuck it up many things. There. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, If you don't, yeah, it's, it's like it's a miracle. It's just not real. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, exactly. But uh, when we started Focoso, me and my wife, we went to Sicily uh, and one of the nights we kind of got lost. And then we stopped at this place where we entered and we could just feel the vibe was beautiful. They didn't have seats, so they set us on the bar and we have like two Negronis until our table got ready. And then when we went to the table, it was a long table and we were sitting with other people. A different night out, I would mm. say, right? Like it was definitely not a date night. Right. But we end up making friends with whoever were on this table. Mm. And we have one of the most magical nights in our lives. Oh, wow. uh, food was bomb. Mm -hmm. The people we met were really nice. Wine was flowing. It was just like music was good. So we were like, wow, we would love to recreate that. Mm. And that's what we try at Focoso. So we would have this bar when you come in. You could have a drink first. And we have a single long table for 23 guys wow okay yeah. so it's like a community style exactly nice but good food community style it was not like you're here because it's cheaper or something right. no it's just really nice food and on the menu our menu was not based on food it mm. was based on questions Ooh, yeah, I so like you would have like a appetizer kind of like antipasto kind of question mm -hmm. and then a pasta question and then a main course and then a dessert. So we would start something very light, like how was your day or what was the best of your week? And then you would go deeper and deeper 
almost trying to give an idea to people how to talk again, right? Yeah. Like I, we feel more and more in restaurant that people come and they're constantly on their phones and then they have problems talking to each other, not only uh, friends, but especially couples. And yeah. then you're like, wow, you're here for a date night. We already know on the reservation is your birthday or it's your anniversary. And then you're still playing some Pokemon Go while, yeah, while having this dinner, right? So our idea was to engage people. And then, of course, we would worry about the food. But we wanted people to enjoy different sensations coming to a restaurant. This is not just about the food, right? Like right. when you come here, you need to take advantage and then also watch the other details besides that. Right. I mean, the name is fo.co.so, which yeah. is food. Cocktail and social. Cocktails and social. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it really started out as this kind of conceptual experience-based yeah. thing. And the idea was to have a bar with some good tapas, right? Italian yeah. tapas. We have fried beef tripe. We had some polenta. We had some lasagna bites that were like really little squares of lasagna. So it, we had um, a fun menu, I thought. And we had a, back then, we have two bartenders. So it was nice to go for cocktails too. Mm. All the cocktails were a little twisted with something Italian on it, like a gin and tonic, but with a rosemary and basil or mm. something like that. And when we go to bars, for example, we see a lot of people actually not interacting, right? And right. when you think about bars, at least where I came from, and I believe in US too, you go to bar and then you have to be open-minded enough to meet other people, mm -hmm. right? And then it's up to you to engage for longer or to be like, okay, thank you. I yep. hope you enjoy your drink. And then you can move on and be with your friend or meet somebody else. Yes. And we always felt that the, the bar scene here was very close. Like, oh, I go out yes. with my group and then that's it. And if somebody talked to me, it's weird. Yeah, freak out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. How have you noticed the reception from the Taiwanese crowd. But I know, you know, when I visited Divino that there's quite a bit of expats also that True. Know, enjoy your restaurant. But I'm really curious about, you know, kind of the Taiwanese crowd. Have you noticed them kind of warming up to this concept or did they get it right away? Or is um, that part of the challenges? I think in Divino, you would always get somebody saying like, wow, it's too loud or the tables are too close. Like, it's not what they're looking like. And then I, I understand that. And I also understand that we you cannot make everybody happy, right? Like, our food is not the cheapest in Taiwan, for sure. So some people, they would prefer or either expect to have, like, a table that would be bigger or maybe more space from the next customer. Right. But we are completely the opposite of that. We don't just put people close to each other to maximize income. Right. But also because that's the atmosphere we want. Exactly. Right? Like if you come to my house, mm -hmm. you're not going to have much space. This right. is a house party. Everybody's together. The exactly. music is loud. Food is seasoned to the limit. And, mm -hmm. and people are having fun. Mm -hmm. And then you might say, wow, I would never have a house party like that. Or you can just enjoy the party. Exactly. Right? <laughs> uh, so I think with time, we still get somebody that still don't know who we are. And then they come and they're disappointed. And mm -hmm. we're sorry for them. But at the same time, we choose not to, to change who we are. Yeah. Yeah. 
What were some of the other challenges opening up Focoso? Well, so Focoso actually, even during COVID, we could not do a commune table anymore. Oh, shit. So we had right. to cut it. Yeah. So now the Focoso basically is a restaurant right now, <laughs> which oh. is a really good restaurant. Yeah. My friend, my best friend, Luke, runs it. He's also my partner now. Mm. So. Okay, he's so doing really good food, but the tables, it was like a higher table and it was long, like maybe 14 meters. Oh, it was wow. really long. And then we had to cut the legs. So now it's a short table so for like uh, normal chairs. Oh, no way. And we also cut it. So everybody has a piece of the big table. So if you go, you can see, still see a couple pieces of the huge table that we had. That's amazing. Yeah. Where but, did you find a table that big? No, we have to build inside the restaurant. It yeah. was crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful though because we made it on wine boxes and Ooh, cool. it, it, was a, it was a really nice table. We miss it. But I think the important thing to learn with all these mistakes is that for you to keep in business, you have to know how to adapt. 100%. Right? So, of course, I love the idea. But if it couldn't work at that point, uh, you just have to adapt because yeah. closing the restaurant was never a, an option. An option in my mind, even exactly. during COVID, I was like, mm, whatever, no, we're we gonna gotta go make through this happen. it. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, do you think that maybe in the future, after COVID is totally gone, if that ever happens, would you like to bring that back, or you think it's good how it is now and let's just keep going with it? Or well, I really like the concept. And it is a place I would like to visit on my days off. Mm. But since we cut it and we reopened and we gave like a whole new idea for Focoso, right. a whole new concept, and it's working so well. So yeah. I don't know if I would go back to it. Mm. But uh, the funny thing about Focoso is that, yes, separated is F-O-C-O-S-O, food, cocktail, and social. But if you put together Focoso in Italian, it means on fire. Oh, damn. But nice. almost like in a horny way. Oh, like, even, ooh, she's even on better. fire tonight, right? She's focoso. Yeah, exactly. Really? Um, I'm going tonight. <laughs> I hope you, your wife doesn't listen to this program. <laughs> with my wife. I'm with my wife. My hot focoso wife. <laughs> but um, so now what we're um, trying to, to turn it into mm. is we have a huge charcoal there. And we Ooh. use it on mostly everything besides pasta. Oh, wow. So the focoso now, it's about fire. It's, about it's not fire. about food, cocktail, and social. But that is also being yeah. able to adapt, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we, we changed a little bit the logo to don't have like, because you used to have like a martini glass, uh, like a, a chat box. And then uh, I think for food, I don't even remember. Oh, no, I right. was a fork or something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we changed that to have like this new logo. And then also when we talk to clients, we explain that. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have a charcoal grill in the back. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Is it also an open kitchen? Like yeah, Divino? it's open kitchen too. Okay. So when you, when you enter, you see the fire and definitely you will feel on the food because all the appetizers, all the main course are all grilled on fire oh yeah. nice yeah so it's, okay. it's fun what kind of charcoal are you using uh now we actually do a mix there's a japanese charcoal that bean chotan yeah probably is what your brother uses yeah, right exactly. like it, it's black. a perfect hexagonal with a hole in the middle right 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 yeah. 
So we like those because they keep temperature for a long, long time. They burn very slow and they make no smoke, right? Exactly. For our open kitchen, you kind of have to have that. But we also have other charcoals that are like this, really like when you do barbecue at home, like this huge piece of wood. And then we just chop them because they do create a lot of smoke mm. and they do give a lot of this smoke flavor right. into stuff. So we mix a little bit. We have like... Not a powder, but like uh, small pieces of this, um, let's call home charcoal. Right, right. Um, and then depending on what we're using, we put them on the fire just to get this, like these taller flames. Hmm. Yeah. So what are some of the best dishes there at Focoso? Ooh, I think, wow, the octopus that they do is really, really nice. The grilled octopus? Yeah. Yeah, like at Divino, we yeah. had the grilled octopus. That it was really bomb. Yeah, Actually, that, that is a dish a that they started, and then it's so busy and so good that we have to let's, replicate. Let's so it. we yeah. put it on Divino, right? Like, ah, it's so and good. It's good because our our brand is like that too. Not everything has to be born in my mind and in Divino to get to all three restaurants' menus, right? right. So I do believe the other chefs too and then when they put something nice on special i try and i find wow this is worth it we yeah. should be all doing something either exactly like that or something similar right 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 um they also do a radicchio that okay. i really love so it's mm -hmm. like this uh vegetable like a, a leaf vegetable almost something between a lettuce and um cabbage but it's purple and it's very bitter so mm -hmm. they cook that on fire and they serve with this a smoked cheese it's called scamorza so scamorza. yeah so they also grill the scamorza on fire and then it's just vegetable and grilled and cheese like a nice but, grilled cheese yeah but i really like that oh, that yeah. sounds good yeah what about this cheese where does it come from it's an so Italian this cheese? is from italy yeah okay and then we don't have it all the time actually it's a small uh, importer here in Taiwan. So once they get, we get, and it's on the menu, but it's in and out very fast, I feel. Right. Yeah. I think that's the good thing, right? You're, at least the vino, the, the menu is quite limited. It's quite yeah. small. Is that the same thing as well for the other yeah, two restaurants? Yeah, for all the restaurants, I think we put stuff on the menu that we overthink. And then once it's on the menu, we try to make it better day by day because right. there is repetition, right? Yeah. So the menu is small, but then also when people say, what do you recommend? I do recommend everything. Uh, it just depends what you like more. So if you're a seafood person, then definitely the octopus. We have the pasta with the shrimp bisque mm. and uh, the shrimp tartare. So go for that. But mm. if you're a meat lover, then we have the beef tongue. We have the big T-bone steak that yes. you had. Yeah. So, but I think everything we put on the menu, there is a reason, right? Like I feel... Many restaurants have bigger menus, but then you have a lot of hit or miss. And I think this is really bad because competition is so strong outside. Like having a restaurant here is no joke, right? Yeah. You can go and have some biandan with 100 NT and eat good food. Exactly. So for you to charge a lot, you need to be good. You cannot be like, oh yeah, I like this, but I don't like that. It needs right. to be everything like, wow, this was even better than the first one. And then, and again and again. Uh, so I think having a long menu, it's hard to achieve that, yeah, right? Exactly. What is that process like for you? Uh, maybe going back to your original restaurant, Divino, mm. when you were conceptualizing the menu, how did that work out? Were these kind of dishes that you had practiced and done back in the past or were these kind of a new start for you? 
So I think when I started, it was like that. Mm. I just want to play safe, make people happy, maybe have my twist to some of the very famous stuff. But as the, the, the years passed, and then we, we do have specials every day. And then most of the specials is just us trying to do something good. And then some of the specials, they would resonate and be like, wow, this was a great dish. And because our kitchen is so small and we only have four fires and one fire is blocked just to have boiling water for the pasta. Mm. So basically we're cooking with three fires. We also always think about this is good, but does this fit the menu? Can right. we do a busy night with this on the menu? Right. Mm. And of course, we had some specials that were amazing. And people keep saying, wow, when are you going to have that again? Mm. I was like... <laughs> yeah, when the restaurant is less busy, which right. is, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But oh, um, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, exactly. But some dishes, they're a little bit more complicated. So you need like maybe two or three pens at the same time just to execute, execute that. Yeah. So you can do for like a private party or something. But on the menu, it's really rough. What is one of those kind of signature dishes that isn't wow. on the menu, but you like we, or a lot of customers we like? We had this pork belly. And we serve with lentils, which is not a big thing in Taiwan. Yeah. But people were really happy with it. Yeah. Oh. But then we had to cook the pork belly and we finished it in the oven. And then you have another pot for the uh, lentils. Okay. And then we would have like a reduction for the pork as well. Mm. So when we put, we would have to heat the reduction too. So that would be like basically... Three pans, of course, the pork goes in the oven, then you heat up the... So you're taking two of your fires. But for us, that's 66% of fire, yeah. right? So it is a great dish. And a lot of people come because it, it was like, um, of course, the flavors were all Italian. So like rosemary, peperoncino, garlic, uh, oregano. But we would do this pork belly that is a very famous recipe from Gordon Ramsay. Mm. He cooks the pork belly slowly on the oven mm -hmm. and then he presses it overnight. Like you put some tomato cans on top of it. So it becomes very flat. And mm. then later you slice. So you got like this perfect sliced pork belly with the skin, right? Mm. And then you pan fry the skin until you get super crispy. And right. then you turn around, put it in the oven. And then you get like this perfect square of pork belly that is not dry at all. Because right, it's juicy. it's super juicy, cooked under with a white wine, and it's crispy at the same time. And of course, that reminds a lot of Taiwanese of their own food. Yeah. And that's another bingo, right? Like mm -hmm. if you can transmit culture or maybe a memory through a dish, there's nothing else that can elevate that, that dish, I feel, right? Like, yeah. so you're touching people's memory, even if that is not a, like here, when you talk about pork belly, you can think about like, when you go to Biandan and then you have this hanging pork belly, right, right, how right, you call right, that? Right. It could remind you that because of um, the crispy skin. Yeah, right. But then you have this other dish here that is this pork belly that cooks really slowly on soy sauce. The fatter and one. Is, yeah, and yeah. it's melting. Yeah. But this recipe didn't have soy sauce, didn't have the five spices, it didn't have the Chinese mm, flavor. Flavors. But you have the mix, like the crispy skin and the juicy of the, the other pork belly. So it's two things that all Taiwanese had it already right, in their lives. familiar and, with that. Yeah, yeah. and then maybe Oof. my grandmother did this and that, right? You have this story, this, this memory when I was a kid in a single plate. You're getting both exactly. of them. So people really loved it. 
but then hitting them with some exotic Italian flavors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which so is amazing. So it was good, right? Like yeah. you can bring both together. Oh, yeah. Man. What was the reduction like? Uh, so after you cook that with the white wine, mm. then you would clean that pot because under the pork belly, we would put like these big pieces of garlic. Okay. Like you just cut a head of garlic in, in two, right? Okay, yeah. And then the pork belly goes on top of that. Oof. And then you have like a bed of like herbs and they're all fresh. And then you cook with a white wine in the oven. You remove the pork belly, you press that, and then you reduce the sauce that you're going to get with all those herbs and the garlic and everything. Uh, we, we would add some some wine and reduce it again. Right. Yeah, but you, you get basically this pork shoe that it was really good. And then that is, again, like when you eat the zurofan, like the, that mm. is a pork jus right there, sure. right? Because yeah, yeah, it's been yeah, cooking yeah. for like six hours and reducing and then they add more water and reduce again. So it's just like a combination of a lot of flavors that people are familiar with in yeah. a single dish. Yeah, so that one was a bomb. The other thing about this, when you fry the pork belly, mm. that shit explodes like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So I was coming home and I was full of patches because oh, you, shit. Um, <laughs> you put the pork on the fridge. Right. And then when you press, it would release some of the gelatin inside. And then when you cut and you fry, that gelatin starts melting. And then mm. when that hits the pan, it's fed against water. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to explode. Wow. Yeah. So for me as a chef, I love the taste. Wow. But every time but you see that order, it. you'll be like, I know I can't get burned. <laughs> Shit, I got to put on my armor. Yeah, exactly. My Roman armor. Yeah. Oh, my God. So having it off the menu is also healthier, I would say. <laughs> uh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I think maybe people don't realize how much of a war sometimes being a chef yeah. is. And then there's not much you can do, right? Like. Yeah. If you cover the pan, then you create uh, water so you don't get it crispy. And then you're probably going to even have more. Well, it's contained, but it's more explosions even. <laughs> right, um, right, right. So the only way was to do it and just get to ready just to fight. get burned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tough life. Speaking of that, what is your worst kind of uh, war story in the kitchen? Wow, I have many. <laughs> so one in the kitchen was actually cooking this badass pork. Really? Yeah. Here in Taiwan? Yeah, in Taiwan. I pulling out of the oven. So a pork belly would weigh probably 8 kilos to 12 kilo. Wow. Okay. So the we would full have, pork belly. Yeah. We would have the pork belly. So that's 12 kilo plus, let's say we add another two liters of liquid. That is total of a 15 kilo. It, it doesn't feel like, wow, come on, man up. It's not that much, right? Right. But when you put it in the oven, it's an awkward position. And then you need to cover the, the belly with the juice until the skin. Okay. You cannot over the skin. Otherwise, the skin won't get crispy later. Right. But you cannot do under because otherwise it gets dry. Right. Right. Like that meat needs to be completely immersed. Yeah, yeah, submersed. Yeah. yeah. So one day taking that out, the tray just uh, tilted tilted to a side oh, right on my foot. Ooh. Yeah. And that is just like fat and, and fat gets way hotter than yeah. 100 degrees, right? It's, it's not like, like water. Burning yeah. oil, basically. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't drop it. I was like, ooh, and I was able to put the pork belly somewhere, but the foot was really bad. So I had to go to an emergency room and then they took care of me, but I came back and worked that night. Yeah. No way. yeah, yeah, because I was a single chef back then and restaurant was already reserved. What can I do? So I just 
yeah I just went through it grit your teeth and yeah kept going to war yeah yeah Shit. another one is for a while in taiwan i got very very excited about cycling mm. cycling here is amazing That's right you Taiwanese, have yeah. um, mountains everywhere and then i live in beito so for me it's mm. like a skip and a jump you're already in the mountains there's great trails everywhere yeah mm. so i was doing triathlons and then i i was practicing a lot and i would go up the mountains for for training and then one day it was we went typical taiwan day we went fucking beautiful we get to the top and it starts raining yeah that's <laughs> yeah and then i was with a good friend of me paul and he is a badass he's the fastest guy i ever saw going down if you look at there's this thing called strava oh yes of course yeah so if you look at your... yamin san he has many records and they're all on the downside oh. he was fast so he was in front of me i was trying to catch up this is december 23 and i had a crazy accident i f i felt well it was rainy and then there's a lot of leaves so i i lost traction okay and do you know these ditches that they have yep. in the in the mountains like of for the course. waters On to the flow side. yeah i fall inside of that with the bicycle and no like, way looks like i did a couple flips while right. i was there <laughs> you're doing some gymnastics yeah yeah wow that was bad end up breaking breaking a rib oh no and there's nothing you can do when you break a breaking rib. a rib is the worst thing yeah. I, i went fractured to work the next and day and it was christmas day that was 23rd <laughs> right. and i was just working christmas with a broken rib having a hard time breathing and working at the same time oh that's yeah. so crazy yeah no it's it's rough but I, i all of that is before COVID, right like i was really extreme right on everything not just mm. on work but also on life right like i didn't have to run that fast right. by school yeah <laughs> uh, but i it, it was completely unbalanced i, I would right. say and then imagine like for that person to receive a call and then you tell me hey i'm not coming to work today because i have a flu or because i'm right. feeling a little sick exactly wow you don't want to work with this boss right because yeah. he would just have no respect over you right or, right over right, your right. problems right because i'm like wow i work with the broken ribs so exactly why, you why can't that? yeah yeah uh slowly i i am learning like that not life is not everyone's work. crazy like me exactly <laughs> and maybe being that crazy is actually not a good thing mm. right like we were taught in army in the the restaurant army right mm. that this is this is what a good chef is you just go through it and then you, you don't have emotions you just drink exactly. over it and then you keep working yes chef yes, 12 chef. hours yes, chef. 16 hours whatever you're gonna be the best so just keep going and then there's no attention to actually emotional stress mm. and physics stress and mental health mental basically. health yeah. yeah yeah the balance is exactly. super important yeah wow so you think taiwan's kind of changing you a bit in terms of your personality Uh, I don't know if it's Taiwan. I, I hope not, right? Mm. I don't think it should be a, a country or, or a place to make you think about those things. Mm. I do think that was partially me looking for it, like reading a couple books mm. about leadership, about mental health, about... Mm controlling your anxiety or even your temperament and then also maybe aging i yeah. don't know like you you change your perspective your perspective and your goals right like this is not a sprint this is a marathon right life, right, right.
Right. So you cannot run like you're Usain Bolt every mm-hmm. day. Yeah. This is this is longer than a marathon. This is longer than than a triathlon. This is this is life. Is really long. Yeah. Right. 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 So you gotta enjoy every single day, and then understand where you can improve, and look at your mistakes, and look behind, and try to maybe analyze things that happen and when you see things happen to other people instead of judging trying to be like wow so what can i learn from it and or maybe how can i even help if possible right Mm. um and then i think covid was was like that from being this crazy guy who worked with a broken rib to (laughs) being forced to be at home and not being able to get out how can you stop a car from 100 to zero right like you need to go to 90 80 70 at some point uh how do you stop a ferrari yeah on a dime yeah (laughs) so i was like (laughs) i think i finally understood that there was much more in life besides that and then something really huge happened in my life during covid too something that probably will change me forever i was at home and then olympics were on the tv and then clearly i have not much to do so i was watching table tennis and whatever you (laughs) name it i know all the champions (laughs) um and surf was was going on final of surf and then i was like "Eh, whatever but the guy on the final was a brazilian guy i say okay well you know brazil doesn't win as many medals as like I don't know, America or China, yeah. just like Taiwan. So right. whatever is the sport, people will stop. People will Even if it. it's badminton, ever, hey, we're going to watch this exactly. because we, we want to clap Brazilian. for this person, right? Mm-hmm. And the Brazilian went there and he actually won. But besides that, it was just fun seeing these guys catching waves. He was a badass and, on yeah, the waves. And the second guy also, he's a Japanese. I, I felt sorry for him because he was in Japan and, of course, in front of his home win. crowd. Yeah, mm-hmm. But they, they both did super well and he just looked fun. Huh. So in the same time, I look at the Taiwanese restrictions for COVID and you cannot go to the beach. Unless you had a surfboard. And I was like, wow, that might be a sign, right? Like, no way. Yeah. And then I tell the same guy who I was with when I broke my ribs, Paul. Paul, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he lives in the same building. So I went up and I say, whoa, I saw this uh, law that like if you have a surfboard, you can go to the beach. So I, I might buy a surfboard. He said, guess what? I have a surfboard. Why don't you take it? No way. And I was like, Paul wants to kill you everywhere. Yeah, exactly. He was just like, I didn't accomplish. So let's see in the ocean. He gave me this surfboard and then I go. And the first day it was love at first sight. I was just really? like, wow, this is made for me. Because I was coming out of triathlon. So my body was strong. And then I have this stamina to keep trying. Because in swim. the beginning, yeah, I could swim very well. And in the beginning on surf, it's really hard to stand up. And you really need to keep like going. You, if you try like, oh, I try once, it's not for me. This is wrong. Like Kelly's later didn't stand up in the first day, exactly. probably. So you need to to put a couple more times. So the first day I went, we went to Wanli. So it's close to Jinshan. Mm-hmm. And then I rented an apartment across the street. No way. Yeah, yeah. By the way, it was really cheap. It was 7,000 NT. Wow. And it was beach view. So for me, that was the first time in my life I felt I was rich. Because like growing up, this is what like rich people had, you know? Yeah. Wow, you have a, a house. house. Yeah, in a beach house, you go there in the weekends. It's amazing, right? And then it's overlooking the ocean, everything. And then 7,000. Of course, there's more apartment. But for me, that was like yeah, you a You just mansion. need a place to take a shower, and put sleep, the boards, eat. Yeah. And then- 
and then I did it. So I rented, the restaurant was closed, and then that just saved me. I was like in a dark place because, of course, bills were coming. I had to pay all staff. We didn't fire nobody. Um, We were doing some takeout, but nothing major. Mm -hmm. So pressure was was mounting, right? And then you see that like, Maybe the money you need to battle and fight for for years, it can go through the drain in weeks, months, and you're like back at three years ago, and you're like, oh my god, all that hard work, all that hard work, yeah. Um, And then surf just like really saved your life. Yeah, saved me. I was so happy, and there's this this part on surfing that. I think you might have it in other sports. I never felt it before, but there's this uh, meditation. And of course, my wife, she runs. And when you run marathon sizes, you start meditating because right. you're Runner's really high. in the zone, right? Like you mm-hmm. don't listen anymore. You're just focused. You start thinking, talking to yourself. But for me, running, it was always like, fuck, when is this going <laughs> to finish? <laughs> exactly. um, and then surfing, not. You're so connected to the nature, right? Like you cannot surf when you want. You can only surf when the ocean allows you to. Exactly. And then once you're there, you need to wait for the wave. And sometimes it's too big, sometimes too small, sometimes it's too close to you, sometimes too far. You really need to be in the right position, right time for that wave to be able to catch it. Yeah, uh, sometimes you can't even catch a good wave. No. After yeah. hours, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. damn it, I got to go back. True. Yeah, so going and then just looking at the ocean and waiting for the next wave. I just felt so connected. And then I started realizing all this stuff in my life, including the work, that were actually not not balanced. They were good. They were beautiful, right? The the passion and the mm-hmm. respect that I have for my for my work. But in the end of the day, I have to be more than that. Right. Like I remember reading uh, one star reviews or bad reviews and I could not go to sleep and then I'll be like, but why? Or they why do you have to be this, like, this mean, right? right? right like right, there, right. if you had this problem, why didn't you just tell me and right. we could fix it? Or like, you know, you feel very hurt for those things, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had a, my father passed away and I was not in, I was, I was not in Italy. I was in Taiwan working. Oh, uh, and then that day I opened the restaurant because what can I do? You have to. Yeah. And then I'm the kind of guy I would love to go see you when you're alive. But when you're dead, I'm not going to make an effort to. Right. You. And then some people do. Mm. And then I respect that. Right. But I, I think you need to enjoy when we're here. And then I don't even, even need to travel to you. But when you call me, I give you the respect. I mm. put my things down mm. and then I actually listen to you. And then right. I talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's 10 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour. Well, so then that day there was nothing else I could do. So I just say, okay, I'm going to work. And then that day we got a one-star review saying, wow, it was not the same. Oh. And, blah, blah. and you just like, oh, wow. it's Fuck, that's the worst, man. Yeah, yeah it's really like nobody knows what What's you are going, going through yeah. at that time. So I think if you have something bad to say or something that is unkind, just Try to understand a little better, mm. right? And if you're not happy, the best way to be happy is communicating. Yeah. And this is not just in the restaurant. I feel that a lot of couples, they're unhappy, but they're not communicating. Mm-hmm. And then from one day to another, one star review, or I just break up with you, True. or I leave. Divorce, I'm suing you. Exactly. Or or I even like 
flip the table and because you forgot to put the toilet seat down and then there's a second world war at home, right? Mm. Like this is all coming from this inability of communicating. And I think that is one of the things that probably differentiate us from a lot of species. I know some species communicate well, right? Like <laughs> whales go like, Woo, and then they're True. like, no, Dolphins what's going too. on? Yeah. yeah. But communicate to the level that we communicate, we are definitely the only ones, right? Like you can express with words, what are you feeling right now and what are you mm. not feeling? 100%. Um, so I think communication is really important, no matter if you're in the restaurant or if you're married, married for 10 years or just starting a new relationship, right? I hope you feel good about that person who gave a one-star review. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're putting you on blast right now. We're giving yeah. you a one star review. Yeah, we're gonna come and find you, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> His dad died. Mm. You. <laughs> it's pretty, but uh, um, yeah, it's hard, right? After time passes, I think this is even bigger. <laughs> uh, for example, you're gonna die. I'm gonna mm -hmm. die. This person that left the review will die. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Hopefully soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the thing is that you're going to leave behind this bad energy, right? Like, so it's not because my restaurant, the world is much, much larger. The universe is much, much bigger than whatever one whatever star you give yeah. it to me mm. or whatever thing you put out there. But once everything is over and maybe our time here is, is over, mm. is that what you want to leave behind? Right? Right. Like, I think saying something like that, mm. it could be constructive. Hey, like yesterday was this, this and that and I didn't like that. Wow. And if you say that, I'm pretty sure, at least if you come to one of my restaurants, we would reach out and say, do you want to come back? Let me offer you this. Let's try to make it uh, a better experience. Make it right for you. Or yeah. at least I would say sorry. Because not that I'm sorry I cooked something wrong, because I probably didn't, but <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, uh, but I would say sorry just because I make you feel that way. Mm. Right? It's an yeah. important day for you. Uh, it might be your anniversary, it might be like getting together with friends and you just felt uncomfortable in a place that basically you're paying us to make you feel as good as we can possibly do. Mm. That is our job. That's the hospitality, right? Exactly. Like, it's not just about the food. It's like when you enter, I want you to feel welcome. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, how many days you have to save to pay for this dinner, right? Because mm -hmm. our dinner for somebody, it could be like a easy task. Oh, okay, I, I went to the Vino Tuesday, whatever, it's fine, right? Mm. And then for some people, we know that they probably have to save for a while they and then plan, their expectation yeah. is according to that too because I've done that many times mm -hmm. and then I also have been disappointed many times. Sure. Yeah. And I feel sorry if I disappointed these people even more than the person that is just like walking by, sits, have a pasta and leave, right? Mm. Like he didn't have that experience imagined for himself. What would you say to people that are thinking of leaving a one-star review anywhere at any restaurant from kind of a chef's perspective or, you know, a restaurant perspective? What do you think they should keep in mind or maybe how they should handle that situation? I think whatever you're going to do, the first question is what is my goal with it, right? So why do I wake up every day and I work out? Do I want to look sexier for the girls mm -hmm. or uh, do I want to have a bigger biceps and then intimidate people work with me? Is that the goal? Or do I work out because I want to live as long as I can 
and with dignity. Like, I don't want to get old and people have to wash me because, you know. And then this, even I, I working out, it might happen, right? right? I could crash the motorcycle tomorrow and mm -hmm. be unable, right? Mm. But that is the goal, why I work out every day. So people, they're going to leave the review. What is the goal? Do you want to just hurt the restaurant? Do you want to hurt specifically the person that you're going to name on the review? Sometimes mm. it happens with our waiters a lot. Or do you actually want this restaurant to get better right. to your standards? So if it is the first two, I think you're a very small person. And then I'm sorry for you. And then if you're in the point of your life that leaving that review to hurt somebody going to make you feel better, mm -hmm. well, then, then do it. And then I hope at some point you will not need to do that anymore yeah, because right. you've grown up from that. Uh, but if you're trying to make a restaurant better, then there are other ways to reach out. Right. Like we have social media, just come social media. Hey, this happened yesterday. Some things happen. We don't even notice. But of course, when the review comes, I read and then I do think about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it affects you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maybe we can do this or maybe this person is right. Like we got a bad review, I think last week. And then, wow, we've been so busy now. So we have the outside seating. We have inside seating chef's table. We have a private room or 14 people. And then on the private room, I don't know if you remember, there's like a corridor, mm. like where you go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And we put some tables there. The idea of those tables in the beginning was we have two rounds, six and eight. So sometimes people come at six, but they don't want to leave at eight because they're enjoying their time and they're having wine. And this is our client. We like these people, right? Mm. Like you come here, you're enjoying, mm -hmm. you're drinking wine, you're talking loud with your friends. Mm -hmm. So we have these tables to have a chance for these people that should have to leave at eight o'clock and then maybe they could stay in longer. The table is small, but like you can feed everybody there and then you can put your glasses because at that time you don't need to eat steaks and nothing anymore, maybe some dessert. So it would be like a, a little bit more easy. But we were so busy and then we had like maybe 10 days waiting list for, for the reservation. So we say like, hey, let's buy some high chairs. Those are high tables. And then mm. let's just put people on the on this corridor. Mm. Wow. Since November, we've been doing that and we've been busy there as well. So mm. people would go and some people appreciate it's a little uh, distant from the restaurant, I would say. So it's a little bit more cold. Of course, we control the lighting, you have music, but you don't feel other people around you. And of course, service will not come as often because in the other section of the restaurant, the kitchen is right there. Like the kitchen is the, the pumping heart of the whole restaurant. So even if you're a client, I'm cooking, you put your hand up, I'll be like, okay, what do you need? How can I help you, right? Yeah. Once you're in the back, you kind of have to wait for the waiter to come check on you. And they probably do once every 15 minutes. But mm -hmm. if you run out of a glass and for 15 minutes, you don't have another glass. And if you're like me who likes to drink, your perception of a good service is already going down. Right. 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 Uh, so we got that review and I was like, wow, this is this is true. Yeah. Because I am the kind of person that if I am 15 minutes without a wine mm. in a two hour restaurant because we have the, the rounds, I'll be like, wow, you're not, yeah, you're not you fuck it up twice. Exactly. It's already half an hour. I didn't have a drink, right? Like, so I'm like, hey, come on. I am also paying the same of people in the front. 
it took me this review to understand that. Mm. And then what we did this week, we're like, wow, no more people on those tables. Yeah. And then we go back to the original idea. Somebody couldn't finish an A, we put them in the back. They can open another bottle. Maybe we give them even discount for that next bottle because mm. they already done their dinner. And the service won't be to the standard. Yeah. So, hey, come 20% off, just open another bottle, enjoy the, the rest of your night. And then that came from a bad review. Would I prefer this person share with me on Instagram and I say, wow, I totally agree with you and I actually gonna change because you opened my eyes to that. And by the way, can I offer you a bottle of wine and can you come to the chef's table next time? And then it's like me and it's you perfect. and then we're gonna mm -hmm. give you the best service. Wow, that would be amazing. But it was not what the person did. Even if maybe at that person in particular, they were just trying to make us a better place. Right, 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 right. But it just, it comes out in the wrong way. But it, it all, it all comes back to communication, right? I feel with all this technology evolving, our expectations are so much higher than they were before. And then our capacity to communicate much lower because you watch stuff but you don't talk back to it right so you open your instagram let's say hey enrico i'm going to tokyo right boom tomorrow you're gonna to start getting fucking tokyo reviews and wow look at this instagram girl she's in this uh swimming pool in tokyo with the endless edge and overlooking the fuji mountain so your expectation is that and then when you get there you won't f fulfill your expectation mm. But then you're just going to have a bad vacation because you cannot communicate about that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So I think this is one of our major issues in society today. Mm. It's having high expectations because they're just being thrown in our faces all the time. 100%. Right? Whatever you open in terms of social media, it would be like, wow, this girl that is super skinny and I don't know, big boobs at the same time. And then when you're talking about vacation, is this locations that are amazing so beautiful and the service is on point, but also because they're paying that person to do that mm. advert for them, right? Uh, and I don't know, you you buy this this new car thinking so and so, but it, it actually doesn't fulfill everything you expected. You see these commercials of these trucks, they're going up on these mountains and like, you know, four by fours and then <laughs> the it breaks just... on the fucking <laughs> high road and we're like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. it's like you could go up to it the Everest and then now do. it cannot drive flat and it is already broke. Yeah. Right, right, right. So it's it's really it's really a big thing. I I feel a little concerned about the next generation, right? Like if you're gonna grow up with all those expectations for us, our expectations were much smaller. Yeah. When my mom would say, "Hey, we're going to this place for vacation," I couldn't Google it and see, "Wow, look at that!" And then of course, when you Google, all the pictures are sunny, the beautiful day, mm -hmm. clean sky, and then perfect. you get there, it's rainy. You see, like, oh shit, I just lost. I money. hate it. One star review. Yeah, exactly. I know. Don't you think that knowledge has a lot to do with that as well? Since we get everything so quickly and so easily, it's much more of a superficial understanding. Mm. Yeah. So I wonder how much you've kind of seen that or think that that might play out in the restaurant business. Do you feel that the customers are more or less knowledgeable about food, about service, about how much effort goes into everything, um, even all the way down to the menu ingredients. What about maybe in particular in Taiwan or just, you know, generally speaking? 
Wow. It's hard. I think people are less and less knowledgeable right now. Yeah. Because uh, food is very related to culture, right? And your grandmother, she was not going to Ding Tai Fung. Right. right. Like she was doing herself the Shalom Bao. So she knows how hard it is to make those 16 folds, those 12 folds, and to have the perfect juice inside and the pork is not fatty, right? Because she did it herself, yeah. right? The same way that people used to fix their own bicycles, mm-hmm. right? So you know what you need to do to remove the back wheel and how to change and how to grease the things so you can run smoothly. But if you never done the hard work, how do you think you can understand, right? Like, and then here in Taiwan, especially, a lot of people don't even have kitchen in their homes, yeah, right? right? Because eating out is so easy, mm. and then also like rent is so expensive. So you want to maximize your space for other stuff. So mm-hmm. <laughs> getting rid of the kitchen, why not, right? Like, so I think it's hard for people to have a very deep understanding if they don't have a one-on-one knowledge about that thing, mm. right? So f- for me, it's very easy to talk about something I never done it, right? You say ballet, you say, ah, oh, fuck, this is for pussies. Ah, oh, it's a shitty, wow. My sister, she was a ballerina. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up, she, she's older than me. So I grew up around this uh, ballet mm. group, right? Right. Wow, and then they were probably one of the strongest men I oh, ever yeah. seen in my life. Exactly, they're badasses. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they they not just propose people in the air and stuff, but they can also hold their whole body with one hand and stuff. So, and then you see their body, there's like zero fat, and then it's only muscle, but they're not built. So you see these people with shirts, you'd be like, yeah, he's a normal guy. Mm. Wow, you don't yeah. want to get in a fight with that normal guy, though, yeah, right? He'll like, throw you. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then there is a lot of disrespect. On mm-hmm. that, right? Like even grow, growing up, mm-hmm. my friends would be like, oh, look at you, Enrico, mm-hmm. you're going to the ballet class and blah, blah. Yeah. And then I was like, wow, you should come and try to say that to their faces, right? Like because they were super strong. Uh, and what they were doing, they made it seem easy while they were doing because ballet is also an art, right? Yeah. Nobody's doing push-up like, ha, 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 I'm doing 150 push-up, <laughs> smiling, right. right? You go to the gym, you see these big guys and they're like, like for 25 kilo there, right? right? Making right. so much noise and then they need to use the smallest shirts available so they can show something. And these guys, they're making some things that are close to impossible with their bodies while they're laughing, while they're looking at the the audience, right? Like on the perfect tempo of the music. Mm. So it's really intense, but you can only have the knowledge once you're inside, right? And then that's something I like about uh, America, for example. Most of people go to university. They end up waiting tables or working in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that they have this knowledge of everything we do, uh, they have a little bit more appreciation. They waited tables. They know what is a uh, unpolite customer is. They know what is a nice customer is. They know what is a busy night. They know about a night that maybe you run out of gas or you went out of water or you some know like you some broke anything. the sink in the bathroom. Like you know they pass through this stuff. So I think 
experience is really good for knowledge right like exactly. until you don't get your hands dirt it's really hard to just understand what's going on 100 percent. yeah it's too easy to just find the quick answer nowadays mm. so to True. dig really deep into something and to really appreciate it yeah. is it's another level yeah yeah for sure can we talk about your menu um yeah. because the fiorentina yeah. 55 ounce 1.5 wow. kilogram pre-order only it was absolutely crazy we got lucky because we actually didn't know about it so we weren't able to pre-order it yeah. but but uh, we had it yeah. yeah exactly you guys said you can make it happen for us and we were like oh that's amazing we were yeah. super i actually happy. i think i went to focoso that night so i get the skateboard do you remember oh i was going to get your steak that's no why they way. had it so when you order we call focoso and say we don't have it do you guys have it and he's like yeah we do so I grab the skateboard and I go down the road, grab no the Fiorentina and way. come back. Yeah, 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 wow. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate but it. It's, it's just like another thing on service, right? Yeah. Like another restaurant, even if they had a sister restaurant around, they'll be like, sorry, we don't have it. Right. Like, so there's a lot of things you don't see that is happening, but just because we want to make customers happy, right? Yeah. Like everybody's trying. Not all the time you can accomplish, right? But right. You're, we're trying. Nobody can go to the restaurant. So I feel one-star review. If you, you, you get in, people are not even trying. Like, imagine you show up. I don't shave my beard. My hair is messy. Mm. My clothes are dirty. I, you ask me, do you have Fiorentina? Huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> you reserve? You know, like, I really have zero empathy for you or respect. That is a one-star review. Like, this mm. is, cannot get worse than that. But I feel when you come to a restaurant and something didn't go the way you wanted, and then one-star review, then I feel like, wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Let's talk about this. Come on. Beautiful. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> huh. So can you tell about this Fiorentina steak? Because it's a yeah. pretty uh, legendary steak, I think, in yeah. Italy. It's the most famous steak, I would say, around the world, but definitely in Italy. Yeah. And in Italy, it has to, to stand up, they say. So if you slice Fiorentina too thin and then it cannot stand up by itself, then that is the, uh, the rule. You would not call that a Fiorentina. Stand up. Can you explain what that means, stand up? Uh, so when we serve, the bones is always standing up, right? Yeah. So uh, Fiorentina is a T-bone. You got the filet mignon and also the New York strip on it. Uh, so imagine the T-bone, if you slice maybe like a 500 gram, which is not little, but a 500 gram bone cannot stand up. But as you get thicker, the bone has more of a base and then it, it, it can stand up. So when you serve it, our idea is to show to the client, this is Fiorentina. Because you go to other restaurants in steakhouses and then luckily they call it t-bone mm. they don't call it fiorentina right so fiorentina for me is not because it has to be a meat from italy also because we cannot uh, have it in taiwan it's about how thick is that t-bone is I that a see. fiorentina then it would stand up without any help right yeah. right right we do dry age uh, our fiorentina too i i don't know i i I really love that steak. For my family, is really perfect because I love uh, strip loin. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the New York steak because it has this uh, chewy part. It's not like a, it's not like a falling apart kind of steak. It has a fat cover, and I like fat. 
Me too. Uh, <laughs> and then you have the filet mignon, which mm-hmm. is what my wife likes. And we have two dogs and then they get the bone. So, Ooh, so it's like a family meal right there. And everybody's super happy. Everyone yeah. takes their piece. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? I actually think we we were taking the bone home for yeah. Mocha, but we forgot the bone. No way. <laughs> I just I just remember that right now. We actually forgot it, but ah, too bad. It's, Sorry, it's Mocha. really funny because a lot of people they never say, "Hey, we want to take the bone." But we ask them, say, "Would you like to take the bone yeah. home?" And then they're kind of like looking, like, but they wh- feel like Okay, so what should I do with it? <laughs> I, don't know, like, I don't know, but you, you can make like a soup with it too. Yeah, true. Oh, so good. Make a yeah. nice broth with yeah. that. It's so rich. And I just think when when we do that, so you roast the bone first oh. before you do the broth. And then you can always get a little bit more of meat out of there, Ooh, you know, because we, we cook true. it pretty rare. Yeah. So some really get stuck to the bone. Yep. But after you cook, you overcook it right like you put it wow just falls off that is pretty good and then you make the broth also for the dogs they they really love it mocha (laughs) do you are you listening to this right mocha we're gonna get you a fiorentina (laughs) from divino from chef enrico (laughs) she's gonna be the happiest dog on the planet right yeah it's okay jump jump go on (laughs) no i'm just watching you she's chilling yeah (laughs) huh yeah yeah that presentation is amazing that mm. yeah no it's fun because every time we sell one people around are always looking They're to your table it like, looks like who, you who got the fiorentina yeah, you open a don Perignon in the nightclub like exactly. <laughs> uh, have you thought about that are you yeah, gonna get, get like some girls, bunny girls with the- yeah <laughs> Ooh, it's just standing up <laughs> exactly yeah i think you should it could be a thing yeah that that could be a thing and you can like charge double for it yeah exactly you want with the bunny girls or not exactly (laughs) oh man yeah yeah that dish the presentation is amazing the the meat is so amazing Mm. and what about the sauce the flavoring so actually that is something that in Italy is very different. So a lot of um, Italian chefs, they don't even put salt in the meat. For them, it's just fire and steak. And as simple as possible. Exactly. You savor the, the flavor of the meat. And I like that. Some chefs in Italy put lemon with steak, which I think is terrible. Wow. Yeah, it's a it's a thing in Italy. Never understood why, but yeah. Uh, is part of it to kind of soften it and tenderize it? No, not I at all. I think it's they really just want thing. like this acidic. This yeah, they would just squeeze lemon on top. Like we would do that with lemon, uh, sorry, with fish. Right. And yeah. even with pork, I would say. Yeah, sure. But like with steak, I it has to be like, like a white wow. meat, I think. But a yeah, red meat, exactly. that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's what they do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but... Then my my Brazilian side talk louder. In Brazil, when you make steak, you put a lot of salt. Yeah, because exactly. I do believe that salt just intensifies the flavor. Salt I don't think it everything. would change the flavor, mm. right? Like so, when I have meat without salt, I just feels like wow, this could be better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and then salt would make it <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we do salt and did it have like a chimichurri? Yeah, kind of, exactly. Uh, pesto. So like 
coming from Brazil, yeah. chimichurri is something you'd be like, wow, that's from Argentina. It's yeah. like our opposite. Or, exactly, the enemy. Yeah, the <laughs> enemy. But uh, I've been to Argentina a couple of times and Argentina I think has good there meat. is a reason these guys are putting chimichurri exactly. because it's Las really Pampas. good. It really just pops out the flavor and the whole thing. And then you're mixing some fresh herbs. We put parsley and oregano and a little like garlic on it and then just nice olive oil right like you're drizzling the meat with nice olive oil i think it helps a lot so yeah, yeah. no that was it was too good yeah we were crying we we're <laughs> so happy so happy but it's a it's a mix of um of cultures and then also of, of experiences mm. right like uh, i think being a chef you need to be able to assimilate various uh, styles mm -hmm. and then you put that, you express that in the way you want, in right? Like the, creative way. The, the octopus we're, we're doing now is because uh, I, I got married in Portugal. Luke, mm. he was my best man. And Portugal was super famous for octopus and he was having yeah, it every the day. Octopus. Yeah. Until he was like, boom, that's, that's what we want to do for the restaurant. Like, let's do like this. And, yeah, I was exactly. Like, yeah. It reminds me of Europe. Yeah. In Italy, in the south of Italy, in the south of France. Yeah. Like yeah. It's just like Mediterranean. Yeah. Flavor. 100%. Yeah. So even if we didn't have, firstly, at an Italian restaurant, we still like, hey, why not? You have octopus in Italy too. If yeah. they are not cooking like this, then it's too bad for Italy. 100%. Right? Like, yeah. Maybe you guys should travel to Portugal a little more often because <laughs> exactly. they are killing it. Yeah. yeah. Grilled octopus is like one of the greatest foods on the planet. Yeah, really. I feel so too. Really. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> wow, I don't know if there's anything else from the ocean that is as good as octopus. For grilling at least, right? Because you could say 100%. like uni is really bomb yeah. flavor too. but Some sushi, but yeah. it's, the, it's different. Yeah. Like grilled octopus, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Really incredible. Really good. Oh my goodness. Where in Portugal did you get married? So I we went to Lisbon for our bachelor party mm. and bachelorette party. Uh, and then we got married in a little church in Sintra. Oh, I've yeah, been there. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Cascais is Cascais, close to yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. It was a great, great, like a small town. It was just beautiful. It was as uh, we both wanted. Like uh, we got married, it was only 36 people. And we had like this church that was super small and then everybody just fitted. But it felt like, wow, this was custom made size right. for this amount of people, right? Like, uh, yeah. Sun and wine. Yeah. And Food was really, really good. Uh, we actually did a very long wedding. We, we had a, like a five day wedding. So. Hmm. A five day wedding? Yeah. Yeah. We, we booked like a, a villa. Uh, and if you are getting married soon, you should look at Portugal. You might think I'm rich, but I'm not. The prices are <laughs> stupidly cheap in, really? in Portugal. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. Like wow, in comparison here, I think to book like a hotel for a one day, it would be way more expensive than oh, wow, doing it's that much cheaper. Five day. Of course, not everything was included. The mm -hmm. day of the wedding, the whole like buffet and wines included. The other four days, you you do you, which was great too. Because wow, if you're in Portugal, you can go to the market and buy some great wine for like five euros, six euros, seven euros. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. When you're feeling fancy, you get a ten dollar bottle. You're right. Like, wow. <laughs> <sighs> 
so it, it was it was good we we had like this villa and then everybody stayed in the villa mm. the 36 people oh, and nice. the fact that we have so many different cultures and friends and also family coming mm. together that didn't know each other right we didn't want to do like a single day we get married and thank you for coming yeah and, and goodbye. then bye-bye yeah right so we did this five day and people actually get together we planned many things during those days and wow. most of them were just involving drinking and dancing of course and eating. but yeah <laughs> but everybody just came together it was very beautiful by by the end we left thinking we were a single family, not like two mm, families, right? Like that's it the was, purpose, right, yeah, of the marriage. Yeah, and thank God we didn't do a six-day wedding because because <laughs> five, five was, was good. Yeah, <laughs> five was really good. Yeah. Six would have been the divorce proceedings. Yeah, yeah. Six is just like wow. Like I, I don't, don't like, like this that family. Person Why anymore? did I get married? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of doubts start creeping in at that time. <laughs> True. Yeah, I actually recommend you should get married on the first day and then the other four, you just see what's happening. <laughs> exactly. Uh, All right. So we're going to have a lot of Taiwanese flying out to Portugal and I having so. multiple day weddings now. Yeah, yeah. Book with Chef Enrico. <laughs> <laughs> tour no, agency. I'm, I'm no joke. We really recommend the place we've, we've been. Uh, and if anyone is looking for the, the chance or probability of having a wedding abroad, send me a message. I'm happy to share the contacts. And mm. we had a really amazing time. Place was beautiful. They had a nice garden. We took all the pictures there. They have a little church inside this um, this villa. It was just nice. And it looks from, not just looks, it is from like the 1700s. So you right, feel like-, like, like Castles. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're oh, really Europe. cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you guys can send Chef Enrico a message or even better yet, I think, is to reserve a chef's table. Oh, seat. that is true. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell a little bit about that? Maybe paint a picture of what that looks like as well. I kind of alluded to it in the beginning. Yeah. But yeah. And what was your concept behind that and why you designed it like that? Because I love that. I think the the concept, it started when I worked in this uh, one Michelin star in Ireland called Chapter mm. One. It's a super fine dining restaurant. And we used to have an office very close to the kitchen. So the kitchen was pretty big. Let's say maybe just the kitchen would be like around 30 pin. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and the, the, That's a huge kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, it was uh, divided between pastry section and like hot and cold section but, but like in 30 pin you can really divide them there was <sighs> like a, a glass nice in between and everything it was Ooh. it was like a maserati of of yeah. kitchen i feel uh is this in dublin dublin yeah really okay wow yeah did i mention or you know no, but i've been to i've been to northern ireland so okay i haven't been to chapter one yeah but it sounds amazing yeah no and then they <sighs> really work the products very well i lived ireland. in i lived there for three and a half years even if it was intense i really love ireland would always be in my heart i feel yeah really really like the same way Taiwan it doesn't matter what's gonna happen in the future. Mm. Always gonna gonna have yeah, like big a part of your big heart. part, and I have this dream of me like getting older and then just going back to these places and be like, wow, I used to work I at used this to street. Work here. I think that would be beautiful. So three years in Dublin yeah. working at this one star Michelin yeah. restaurant. So the head chef had like a, a office, and it was a glass window office so he could be inside and at the same time look, look at, at everybody 
Yeah. No way. And then at a certain point, they were just like, wow, why don't we just clean this office and just make a table there? So they made a round table inside this glass uh, oh. office and they call it the chef's table. And then on that table, there was no service. There was no waiter. There was nothing. You would come and then every dish, it would be presented by whoever cooked that dish. And then I was just like, wow, this is really cool. And then, of course, people were always having fun there, drinking. For them, that was the most prestigious table, right? So there was no like, oh, sorry, we're going to have tea. No, that was like, you come here, you're opening a bottle or you're having the wine tasting menu. Of course, this is so, serious VIP. Yeah, and then yeah. we just wanted people to feel... Like, you don't want to go there and, and, you know, people are not enjoying. They're not getting a little tipsy. This should be like a fun it table. Even on, if you're yeah. on a one Michelin star. For sure, if you're like the the Michelin guide, you won't sit there, right? right like So right. that table, it was not organized. It was chaotic. They, would, we, they were inside the kitchen. So they would yeah. be listening to us, shouting, right. yes, chef. And then if you somebody do something wrong, yeah. they would see the chef... <laughs> calling some people right. that were burning Gordon them. Ramsay, someone. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and every time you would go talk to the people, they were so like, wow. Like, imagine you're inside the set watching the movie going on while you're tasting the the, the scenes. I don't know, like, how to explain that. But you're Oh, no, I, I totally appreciate it. So do you know Blue Hill at Stone Barn mm -hmm. in New York? Yeah. Have you been there? Yeah, no, I watched the Netflix. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah the guy yeah, yeah, that have yeah. a second floor, right? He's, yeah, he's, not only that, though, uh, his name is Dan Barber, I Dan, think, the, yeah, the chef yeah, behind yeah, it. Yeah. He's an absolute genius. And wow. It's one of my favorite restaurants yeah. on the planet. I've been lucky he enough to go there like, multiple times. He grows his own chicken and feeds them the red pepper and then later Dude, they, right? Like, that place is unbelievable. Yeah, and unbelievable. they also have a chef's table. Exactly. Yeah. So, so they have, uh, yeah, they have a tasting menu and it's a very seasonal one. Yeah. And then one of the menus that I had, I've been there probably at least three times, but one of them, it wasn't every single one, uh. but they really take you on experience. So yeah. first you're sitting at your own table and then oh, like they an send hour you to the later, kitchen, right? not only that, they uh. will send you to, they have different rooms wow. and they, for different purposes, yeah. different pastures or, uh. or, uh, cuisines yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it's maybe the plants from outside, if it's like sea or something like they that, they'll take you there. The garden or something. They'll take you out to the garden at night. Yeah. And I saw fireflies at night. <sighs> it was in the summer. And then one of them, we are right in the middle of the kitchen. Like wow. literally in the middle People of the kitchen. People are like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bad, bad no, <laughs> it was so insane. And yeah. we had some amazing, I, I mean, I still remember the dish in yeah. that in the kitchen it was a venison so wow. you know which is again yeah not the easiest dish right True. for for yeah. uh you know some people possibly but the venison was absolutely insane we can see them preparing it, and of course the chefs would come out and explain the whole yeah. process and everything that place is unbelievable so That's i have beautiful. had a chance to experience that yeah so <sighs> for me i i think the the restaurants i worked and i visit I always try to steal from them the great ideas, mm -hmm. right? And that was something that was inside me for like many years, right? Like I worked there when I was much younger before I opened the Vino, but I was like, wow, this is something nice. Like you have this contact with the people. And 
I was there for the changes as well. So when I started working, there was no chef's table. It was the office. Yeah, it was the office. And of course, we were much more rude to each other. Mm, we mm. didn't have to watch our language. Right. We would And chefs, by the way, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. If you <laughs> haven't realized if at you, this point. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, so after we did that, it was a learning experience. One night we went down very badly and then, you know, it was chaotic in the kitchen and people flipping trays and fuck you this and that uh, with the chef's table. And then the manager were like, hey, this cannot can't happen do this again. anymore. Yeah. This is chef's table. I think the clients even appreciate looking at that. Right. Right. She's right. like, wow, this is so real. This is amazing. Did he just punch that guy? He's <laughs> like, I don't know. Was that yeah. a pan on his head? <laughs> And then the whole kitchen understood that. And we evolved a lot. The way we communicate to each other, but also how sharp you want to look. Hey, in this chef's table, there was a lot of beautiful women sitting mm, there. Right. Why you don't want to smell good? Why you don't want to put some yeah. gel on your hair? And why don't you want to like, you know? That's just, hilarious. Yeah. So all the chefs were like wearing suits. And yeah, well, all the chefs, they, they suddenly became more aware to also looks. That's amazing. And then I, I thought that was, that was nice too. We were also aware how we talked to each other, but you wanted to look sharp. Right, You wanted, when you go deliver the table, people be like, wow, we're watching you. You're cool. Right. It was like, right, like you have your knives, they're all set. Yeah. Every time you use lice, you clean your knife, just like a sushi bar. Yeah. You'd yeah. be like, wow, my wife cook every day, but it doesn't look like that. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you can see the restaurant's full, but nobody's under pressure. Right? Like before we'll be like, oh my God, oh, I just yeah, dropped just this and blah, blah, and sweating. And then now everybody was like, we, we are it's performing. It's more choreographed. Exactly. That's yeah. Blue Hill at Stone Barn. Blue mm. Hill at Stone Barn's choreography is absolutely insane. When you're just yeah. sitting there at your table and they have different teams. I, I don't know if it's still the same thing, but they have different teams wearing different outfits. And they literally just come out as a team, come out and clean the plates really quickly, like the white team. Yeah. And then they'll disappear. And then the blue team will come in and, and put down the plates. And then another team will come in to explain the menu. Wow. It's the most incredible dining experience I've had yeah. in my life. It is so crazy. Huh. <laughs> well, if you're listening to this, we're a much toned down version of that. <laughs> Basically, I am cooking in front of you while drinking a lot. <laughs> the and real experience. And then it's, it's me and another guy called Austin. <laughs> There's not blue team and white team. It's just team. <laughs> it's team uh, Davino. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, it is, there is a lot of uh, interaction there. Mm. And then what we feel too is, it's a table of four, but we take uh, two couples as well. And at the end of the night, not every night, but some nights, the couples also interact with each other. So mm. it become like a whole whole thing. What we like to do on chef's table, you can come and say, hey, this is my budget and then just cook for me. And then oh, we really like that. And like a omakase. Yeah. Japanese and then style. normally when we do this, we would do like smaller portions that you can actually not ask for yourself. So we would just do smaller portions and then you would have actually uh, a bigger menu, right? Mm. Like normally you come to the vino couple, you would have 
everything is for sharing. So like one appetizer, one pasta, one main course, one dessert. And then if you say that, they say, hey, we're too, our budget is 4,000. Can you put a bottle of wine there too? That would be appreciated. And then we're like, okay, sure. So we mm. put the bottle of wine and then we will send you a couple of like smaller bites so you can taste different things in the kitchen. It's oh, um, amazing. Yeah. Wow. So I, I think it's it's really worth it. The other thing is I, f I feel whatever we do is very special mm. because I am there most of the days and then I'm still cooking. You see, like even you go to Blue Hill, you don't mm. see Dan cooking. No, you never see Dan. Right? <laughs> never he's see Dan. not. He's like a god. He's the boss. Maybe yeah. he's around. His spirit is in the house. Exactly. <laughs> On a private jet to <laughs> Brazil. Exactly. But he might not even be in the restaurant, yeah. which is also understandable, mm -hmm. right? Like he's... Wow, he's, a god. he's, he's a crazy god. famous, right? Mm -hmm. Like he has many other restaurants. Plus he's running the farm too, him yeah. and his brother. Yeah. So this guy has two kids now. So like he has a lot on his plate, right? Like yeah. he's not me. But when you come, I am there, right? So it's, it's fun to have like this guy, he opened the restaurant seven years ago and then he, he is cooking here every night. He's mm -hmm. not like fake cooking, like there are other restaurateurs, they start in the kitchen, but it's a tough life. Mm -hmm. After the restaurant kind of pick up fire, they step out. And then I think that's a brilliant idea because if you're a good restaurateur and then by now you can see that I can talk very easily. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. You'd be like, okay, so let's start. <laughs> Three hours exactly. later. So I would like to ask you, no, 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 wait a second. I just need to. <laughs> I'm not finished. I'm not finished. Um, so if you're a good at interacting with people, it makes sense for you to do this move. Yeah, Even 100%. economically, I believe that I can sell more wines than other people. Mm. Also because I drink more and then, <laughs> right. right? Like I have, you know the wines. from my yeah. country, yeah. Um, but I never wanted or wished to work in the front of the house. Since you I was a kid, my thing is kitchen, right? Like I like to talk to people. I like to help them out. And maybe I even serve wine sometimes and I collect dirty plates. Like yeah, there is no were, limit for me. You were hustling, me. man. You yeah. were all over the place. <laughs> but my, my passion is behind the stove. Like I like to be cooking. So you don't see that very often. Like a guy that is still there after the years and then he's still cooking, right? Like I see friends now that uh, maybe they used to come often for business before COVID and then for two, three years, they didn't come in and they're coming back and say, wow, you're still cooking. You're That's still amazing, just right? dancing. Like, yeah, because for most of the people, they'll be like, ah, Enrico, he opened three gone. restaurants. Exactly. Now he's probably doing this and that, right? He's surfing. Yeah, true. Because if you watch our social media, I surf a lot, but I go five in the morning until 12 and then one o'clock I'm in Divino and then I do prep and I work that night oh, and man. I basically don't sleep. So how does someone book the chef's table? Is there some kind of process or yeah, how does no, it usually work? Uh, on our inline, you can choose to be on those seats. And then if you want, because we don't force anything, right? Like you don't have to, I think we don't have a minimum charge anymore. We used to have, but we canceled that too. Mm. So you come and you do as you feel comfortable with. Mm. But we appreciate when people say, I'm coming for this experience. So I just want you guys to cook for me and it's not a hard thing to do if you don't write it in the you just can arrive for a reservation say you guys do it right, right? like this right. is my budget because i never want to make people feel uncomfortable some restaurants you can go and say hey, you guys do it but you don't know what kind of check you're gonna get yeah right right and right. then i don't like that because imagine if the whole time you're expecting you're gonna spend 
8,000 and you're just suffering. Oh my God, he opened that bottle. Oh, right, right, oh, right, right, oh right, right, now right. we're eating caviar. Oh, this is going to be bad. So you suffer the whole two hours and then when the check comes, you're like, whoa, that was good. I prefer it's just it's good just since like the beginning. And then you'd be like, wow, he's giving caviar and it's 4,000. Wow, let's right. just oh, enjoy it. Right? Like, yeah. There's not of this... Um, pressure exactly in italy a lot of times this happened right like people would go to italy and say hey you do the menu and sometimes they just charge They'll you just rip you off yeah. basically yeah. yeah because they look at you and they think wow how many times this guy gonna travel to milan or to roma or to florence whatever it is probably one or two more times so if he doesn't come back i don't actually matter right but i always hated this approach to begin with and then here is completely different. We are not open for foreigners or we, we focus on local people. Mm. And we do happen to have foreigners and it's fun, mm. but they are like a five to 10% of our mm. um, incoming clients. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. And I feel, I don't know, wow, most of our clients are repeated clients. So that's another thing that is hard to book because yeah. We have such a strong group of clients to begin with. Mm. And then they will come back. And for these people, we try to always get their seats, right? Like, yeah. Because it's only four seats, right? Yeah. And then the day we were there, I mean, I noticed basically all four Taiwanese. Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe a couple and then uh, two girls. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, And we, we end up connecting with everybody, right? Like yeah. there's no... There's no reading into it. Oh, you don't do this or you don't do that or you have this watch, you don't have right. this. I really just want to have fun. And I really appreciate when people are open to have fun too. And we train our staff. So, of course, I cannot connect with uh, Taiwanese people that don't speak English mm. uh, as much. But then I have Anouk in front of the house who does it. And then I have Austin uh, as my sous chef. So everybody actually get that love right mm. like if it's from me unfortunately you have to speak some english or right. Italian, Italian or portuguese, or portuguese. Spanish. <laughs> yeah but yeah the mandarin is not fully covered yet mm. yeah. Mm. yeah i love also in the open kitchen the because especially when you're cooking the fiorentina that fire, the focosa, yeah, is just intense. Yeah. And you guys even had to open the door a bit because of smoke. Oh and I was like, God. but that's amazing. Yeah, I just, the whole experience fire. is absolutely amazing. Yeah. You're dancing in smoke. Yeah. Smoke is coming out and we're watching it, you know, yeah. like on fire. And we're just like, oh, so excited yeah. to eat that thing. So no, it's, it's, it's a fun place to be the bar seats. I really, really Who's enjoy it. Who's the waitress? Uh, we had a, a girl who was really amazing. Anouk. Oh, yeah, that's a new. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, she's, she's funny. Been with one us. She is funny and she pushes the the edge, right? She, she has does. like a sarcastic kind of way to be funny. I love her attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had a little a little Italian in her, a yeah. little Brazilian maybe. And then <laughs> I I like it because uh and some people won't understand that because unfortunately I feel the service here in Taiwan, it's um almost um do you know, like when you have an emperor and you have these people that serve the mm. emperor, they are servers. Yeah, right? they really. They don't have emotions. They they don't have rights. They are basically slaves. They're like, subservient. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think service should be like that. If Man. you're training people to be like that, you will pay sooner or later. 
100%. these people down the the road they cannot make choices they cannot answer questions because basically you cut their wings as birds and then they cannot fly anymore yeah and he was like wow why you cannot be exceptional because every time i had something i could put or an input that i could share you close that door Mm-hmm. So I become this empty person that just brings plates and cleans plates. Just does the job quietly, exactly, head down. Head down. And then I'm not interested on the food or on the wine I'm serving. I'm not interested on the person that, right? 100%. Um, and then this is completely not who we are. So you you will come, you will get a little bit of this sarcastic tone. And, you know, it, it could be funny. Maybe it could not be funny. Mm-hmm. But there is... Uh, there's life there. There's life. Yeah. Man, I was going to say that earlier. I really think your service is different in mm. Taiwan. And I think that's a huge part. I mean, again, the food is absolutely amazing. You're amazing back there. Uh, your staff obviously is very well trained. But I think that service is really a huge missing component overall yeah, here. Yeah. True. When I go to some restaurants, I feel that because in Italy, you grow up and, well, if you're like a media class, uh, how do you say that? Average class, middle class class Mm. Italian, you probably won't go to restaurants very often. So maybe let's say twice a month or maybe once a month. Normally it would be Sunday after church. Mm. You would go for that restaurant. Once you enter in that restaurant, you know that waiter and he knows you. And he knows which team you support. And he knows your mom and what she does for a living. And he knows your father. And he li- he knows the food that you like. But he would also explain today we have this and this special because it's season for this and that. So you have this respect for the waiter. And when they're on the floor, wow. You'd be like, this guy is gliding. The restaurant is fully booked, but he's not having pressure. He's smiley, and then he sometimes is singing, and then he's telling jokes, right? Like, when you finish service, this guy writes you an autograph or some bullshit, and you'd be like, why? But it's it's just going to restaurants, and my family had restaurants. It was just something you would look up to. You'd be like, you respect this waiter. Like your father would come, hey, you shake hand with uh, Gennaro or something like, right? Like you'd be like, okay, thank you, blah, blah. And as you grow old, the waiters are always the same. Yeah. And this is another beautiful thing because I am a waiter or I'm a manager, I'm a chef because I want to. That's the career I chose and I respect and I can be the best and then I'm getting better mm-hmm. with date and then they will just be proud of what they are and then now on fnb business we see more and more people that are in this uh environment just as a passage like mm. oh i want to be a doctor i want to be an engineer but right now i'm just gonna do this right, for it's a like while a stepping stone basically yeah, yeah. yeah and then this hurts a little bit but it's also mostly our fault this chemical imbalance kitchens that we had in the 90s, on the 80s, on the 2000s. You would watch Gordon Ramsay burning people and doing this and you're stupid. And we're like, wow, this is what I have to be. be. Yeah. Yeah. And then now, 20, 40, 50 years later, you're like, wow, nobody wants to do this job. And I said, yeah, I understand why nobody yeah, want to do this job. burnt out. They're yeah, tired. It's yeah. not fun. And then if I've been looking on TVs for 10 years that you just burn people, why would I sign up <laughs> for this exactly. shit? And then you talk to restaurant owners, most of them, 
they're not broke, but they're also not driving Ferraris and mm. shit. And then you see like this Instagrammer guys doing it. So I'm like, wow, I think what this the? might be a better right. career What path. am I doing right yeah. now? So I think this has to change and it needs to be immediately. If we want to keep having this service, if we want to keep having this good food, if we want to keep having good people that are working in this industry, right? Mm. Like Anouk, for example, she has a master's. She is she graduated on on a hi history college, right? Like a mm. university. So you talk to her, you can talk about food, but you can talk about philosophy. And she she is this like a multi multi-talented person, yeah. right? Yeah. But this person has a price, has a cost, right? Like you need to to pay for this. Exactly. You need to appreciate it. Yeah, you, you need it, to yeah. appreciate. And as a restaurant owner, I need to also give value to who she is. I understand having a couple like students and then they're just there struggling, helping. But you need to have people that do this Passionate because they people. love it. 100%. Right? Shout out Anouk. Yeah, Anouk. Yeah. Also so in Focoso, Petra, she, she's been with me since we opened Divino. And then when we opened Focoso, we were like, so that's what you want to do? I basically will open the restaurant because I can count that you will be there. And yeah. five years she's there. I am proud of what we, we achieve because, for example, when I got married, Petra, she's from Austria. She's also our not best man, like the woman side. Oh, okay. Uh, the bridesmaid. Bridesmaid. And she come for the wedding. And then we actually had a vacation after it. So she was for my honeymoon. She was also present. Wow. And we, we did like a month tour around Italy. And she stayed in the same hotels that I stayed. And she went to the same restaurants that I mm. went. And we were sharing the same bottle. So right. financially, you also see there is respect there. It's not because I'm the owner. So, okay, I have a nice car and you guys have to take MRT every day. Mm. Or, right, like mm -hmm. I can afford to do so and so and, and you can't. I think that's the only way to grow the business. Right. So she's she's part invested in Focoso. Luke, that is my a partner, my chef. He's a 50 percent owner of Focoso. So everything grows and then people that show this respect for the industry, this respect for our restaurants and this this wish to to do more and more you need to give value to them because without them nobody can have more than a restaurant no matter how good chef you are right yep. like you can only have one and that's already a push you already need people if you're gonna have one restaurant big time yeah <laughs> so if you don't give value not just uh in a respect sense but also in a financial respect then you end up with bad servers yes. and then you end up with people that have no autonomy people that cannot talk to the client people that cannot fix problems by themselves how do you do this this is quite brave of you you know because in taiwan the environment is the opposite right mm, where true. wages are very low yeah and like you said about the service there's not much passion in almost any field because of these kind of situations so taking that risk and kind of pushing you know the industry in that way um, how, how do you do it and so i think kind of challenges are you facing um I, I realized, so I, I've been with my wife for 80 years. Uh, we just got married, but we also decide that we don't want to have kids. 
and we talked through this many times, right? It's one of the most important life decisions you can actually do. Yeah. Uh, and we both agree and kids were out of the plate and I am happy with the life we have and the, the choices we are making. And I realized that you really need very little to... You don't need much. Exactly. And then I understand you say, well, you say that because you, you don't have kids. Because having kids, it is expensive, right? There mm. are studies shown that you need like a 300,000 US dollars for a kid from yeah, zero to... Yeah, it's way more than that. Now in America, it's a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like... Let's put it to a Taiwan where you okay. don't need to pay for health insurance true, true. <laughs> and university, true. right? Like, which is uh, huge that. payments, uh, stalls in America, for example. But anyway, uh, when I, I removed that and then even if I had to have or if it happened that I had a kid, you still need very little to be happy every day to leave I feel when you can be happy with little, the fact that you have a lot, it makes you happy too. But it also doesn't make you want. Always worried or and always wanting worried and needing. That. And exactly. That FOMO life. Yeah. Yeah. So I started decreasing everything that I have. And I was never a guy that had much. But then just focusing more on the day-to-day -day or the way I act with people that work with me every day make me you happy or not fulfilled exactly and then things that actually made the difference for me and things that didn't like me coming out from michelin star restaurants for a while i was very into visiting them and the bills start getting pretty expensive right yeah, like you would go sure. out it would be like fifteen thousand and tea for two people yeah and I realized that in some of these restaurants, especially in Taiwan, like you said, uh, you were talking about the, this restaurant, Blue Hill, that you definitely spend a big amount of money a there. A lot of money. <laughs> but they made a change and then years passed by and then you, you went back to that, mm -hmm. even knowing that it would not be a cheap meal. Yeah. But every time it felt worth it. Sometimes I was going out here and I was like, this is not worth it because I'm not happy. Like I'm not getting this service. I'm not getting the passion. It just feels like a AI system is cooking my food and everything is perfect. Good job. But there is no heart on it. So that is already like saving a lot of money. <laughs> you, fact you don't True. go to a place like that. Right. Yeah. And then. I, I can have a car that drives me safely from one point to another. It doesn't need to be the newest model or this brand or that. So like, for example, I have a Vetica, which mm. is a Taiwanese car and it's just a van. So I can put my surfboards surfing, inside. Yeah. I can sleep on it if I have to. Because sometimes you go surfing and then you need to drive a long time. You stay like maybe a day so you can surf two times. Right. You just sleep inside the car, right? Like, why not? It's the best way because you want to wake up at five in the morning and go to the water so why would you pay a hotel to wake up five in the morning right 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 so when i start seeing all those things i said you get to a point that you already have more than what you need and you don't want to retire so you just need to look around and help people that are with you i could also retire and live a very simple life especially if we're talking about going to brazil where the mm, money goes longer go far, right yeah but that is not what i want to do i feel a lot of people they don't realize that so they keep working and accumulating and working harder because they think that they're going to be happy once they retire and then they can actually use all that money. But the thing is, if you never practice, it's really hard to be good at something. So if you're saying that you're going to start practicing being happy when you're 65, 
and everything in your body is hurting because it will hurt. 100%. Yeah. Then it's already too late. It's too late. And once you help people around you, they help you back, right? So the moment I start sharing, I could also work less and mm. I could also worry less because other people was, were worrying as much as I am. And they were not worrying out of a necessity or because I was pushing them to worry. They were worrying because they were being... Uh, They're invested in it, yeah, right? They yeah, they were invested yeah. and they were being not like respected, but they, they were like somebody was looking at them and they feel, wow, I also going to look at this thing, right? Like That's a big change here. Yeah. When employees are respected. Yeah, as true. Yeah. yeah, it really is. A, and like, a change. I feel proud of it yeah. because people have kids and then they want to have... Uh, they want to help their kids. They want to tell them what to do. And most of the times they tell you to do whatever they did, right? Like, oh, my mom, she was in architecture. So like, why don't you be an engineer, blah, blah. Mm. And I was like, wow, you had an engineer working for you for 10 years and you never, never give value to that person. I, yeah, that's funny. Man. Just because he's not your son, it makes no sense. I work with a lot of chefs that they were the owners of the restaurant and also have no no value no respect they just want to squeeze the most out of you mm. because you're young so just work for less and work longer and i'm making you stronger because i'm doing that bullshit yeah exactly right? yeah speaking of this what about the taiwanese kind of local domestic restaurant scene mm. are there any chefs or restaurants in particular that you kind of uh that stand out to you for whatever reason some interesting chefs or restaurants yes um to be honest the i don't know even like if i pronouncing his name right or wrong but the guy who owns salt and stone oh yamasan and he's also the owner of uh, maza tacos is it long long shang i think is his, his name i'm i'm texting with him actually wow i don't even know he knows who i am long shout I, out brother i told yeah. you get on this podcast brother <laughs> If, if it doesn't matter if you know who I am, I just respect him very much. I've been to all his restaurants and food is always on point. The places are very smart, created. You know, like I have three restaurants, but they're all Italian food. And this mm. guy, he went from salt and stone, which is like a bakery, but also like an Italian background with the pizzas and pastas. And then he have Yamasan, which is one of our favorite restaurants with a bomb cocktail list and the, the tapas they're a little bit like a japanese style but they also have some taiwanese influences mm -hmm. and uh, it's just super good and then maza tacos is on our street so like oh, it they're is. like okay. wow and they close at midnight so some nights we're a little fucked up we've closed that's a, that's and then the we go get some tacos yeah so it's just I really appreciate having taco exactly. in my in my street, right? So <sighs> I never get to hang out with him, mm. but I, I really appreciate all the restaurants that, that he have. I think he's doing really, really well. And I think always doing something more too. Yeah. Like they already opened a second Maza Tacos and I think they have like a Philly steak. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I don't Uncle, know where. Uncle Philly, right, right, yeah. right. I, that one I've never been, but I, I can see like I have three and then I maxed out. 
and then he has capacity and fuel to burn and like intention to keep doing stuff and everything he's doing so far really good so exactly a I lot of he's respect. also i don't know the exact uh ownership situation yeah. but i think he's attached with mume also yeah. which is a michelin star yeah. restaurant yeah. i think he was one of the like a uh, main chefs in Mume when they opened. Oh, is yeah. that right? Okay. Yeah, I remember going to Mume and he was there cooking back then. I yeah, see. this is like seven years ago. Long, yeah. I'm telling you, brother. Yeah. Get on here, brother. So a lot of respect for, for Long. Mm, yeah. Shout out, shout yeah. out to Long. The more local Taiwanese food. Wow, I've been, you find it like weird or funny, right? I sell Fiorentina for living, but um, I'm actually trying to be vegetarian as okay. much as I can. Hmm. Um, and then for me and my wife, meat became something special. So special when occasion. we go out for restaurants, of course we eat meat. And then if you invite me to your house hmm. and you say, hey, we did this barbecue, of course I'm going to have it, right? Hmm. Uh, but at home we try to eat uh, vegetarian. And then in our zone, there are a couple of vegetarian restaurants that are also doing very well. But what I feel in uh, Taiwan food, and we passed that in Italy, and then I hope Taiwan also at some point, we'll start realizing that. So in Italy, for example, you eat pasta, right? You buy one kilo of barilla, you probably spend less than a euro. Like mm. Let's say 80 cents of an euro and you have a kilo of pasta. And then you do a tomato sauce. So you can even buy cherry tomatoes to do all the, the pasta with cherry tomatoes. You don't need to can tomatoes and the tomatoes back then. Now they're expensive, but let's say they were like three euro per kilo, right? So with four, you can make... A tomato like sauce a yeah and then you get parmigiano is nine euro per kilo so you you have a pasta and then if you calculate one kilo pasta you can maybe do 10 to 12 portions so calculating the whole price one pasta yeah. spaghetti pomodoro it would be less than a euro right but then you go for restaurants and they will serve you for eight for nine some mm -hmm. go beyond that and for a while it was like wow why is this so much more expensive and then people start understanding well, there are workers and mm -hmm. Lorenzo works here for 10 years. So exactly. probably Lorenzo is paying his house rent or everything. And then everything was a little better uh, right. understood. But here we still very locked on this 100 NT and it has to be 100 NT. Exactly. And the years pass by and we see food in the supermarket going through the roof and meat and chicken, eggs we can't even find anymore. Mm. And then this price remained the same, which means these people not are only making less, but they also choosing worse quality products. Right. Because they Maximize need to keep the profit. Yeah. They need to keep the hundred. So I'm yeah. not gonna get the nice egg, I'm gonna get the cheaty one. I'm yeah. not gonna get the good rice, which we make really good rice in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go for a cheap one for even broken rice sometimes, yeah. right? Uh and then that that is something that for the culture, it hurts a little bit. Yeah. And then I do think that some of these places, they might be on their last generation because they did well. Like mm -hmm. I know families that own some Biendan stores and they're not poor or anything, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But their kids don't want to do Biendan shop anymore. They can't do that kind yeah. of stuff anymore. Their kids, they were pushed out. They're like, hey, you go get a diploma. Right. Do better than that, mm -hmm. right? So it's killing a little bit of the culture, the fact that people don't want to look for that 10% increase or that 20% increase 
over many, many years, right? Like right. if today you say, wow, now is 120, people would just go to the next door and then they would pay 90. But if everybody realized that and slowly increase, then there's nowhere to go. Mm. You just go where you like, right? Right. So this is a, makes a little bit poor the, the whole culture yeah, right the environment yeah the culture because right. these guys they're not helping the the farmers or getting the really top level ingredients right mm -hmm. everything it's keeping worse and worse almost right like yeah. as the times go by either worse or your chicken is getting smaller yeah, right like the yeah. the piece of meat you had it decreased so that is something that i look and i feel a little sorry for because the food is really good like um even when you go for nice restaurants and they do the street food, you go, mm. wow. But sometimes I eat street food and then you can see, wow, this pork is really low quality pork. Yeah. And then, yeah, you just feel feel sorry for, for the whole culture mm. right behind that. Yeah, you've had your restaurants here for now seven years, mm. right? So what kind of changes have you seen in those seven years? I mean, I guess so many, but... Yeah, are there wow. any that pop out in your head? As I, I, I don't know if it's uh, only my restaurant or every other restaurant, but I, I do talk with some restaurateurs too, and I feel on everyone. First, it's it's a bad thing, right? Like staff is getting harder and harder. That's every everywhere. That's time. also my brother in yeah. Dallas. Yeah. Labor is yeah. so hard these but days. This is what we were talking about, right? Like it's a it's a culture of decades that just slow degradation. Is, is exactly. <laughs> yeah. Slowly we killed the the wish for people to work, and then for a little while I felt like they start doing these master chefs and blah, and people are like, "Wow, being a chef is cool." And then they start working. There's like no fuck way. Yeah, no. Yeah. I don't want to get screamed at. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So finding staff really hard. In Taiwan, since we opened, people used to bring their own bottles. Okay, BYOB. Yeah, and for a restaurant like an Italian restaurant that sells wine, that yeah. really hurts for uh, the business, right? Sure. And we always have this this politic to try to have really good prices for the wine. Mm -hmm. We're not the type of restaurant that do times three. Sometimes right. we don't even do times two. Uh, and as you get more expensive, it's less and less the markup that we serve. I understood back in the day because I would go out and I would see wines times five, the price of cost, wow. right? So right. I'm like, wow, it makes sense you bring your own bottle because people are taking advantage of the fact that you like drinking. And yeah. then it should never be like that. I think you should just add the value of serving, of cleaning glasses, or making maybe a mistake or breaking a glass, or maybe a bottle is corked. So you have to have a line there so you don't lose money and yeah. you still pay for your staff. But times three, times five, I think it's uh, beyond the, that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're basically scouting the client that you wanted the most. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like every restaurant likes to have clients that drink wine. Right. Uh, but if you overcharge them, they're not going to come. Yeah. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Exactly. So I feel a lot of restaurants never understood that. Yeah. And then that was a different for us. When you came, you could see that most mm -hmm. of our tables are drinking wine. But it's not just because of our aesthetics. It's also the price we offer mm. and the way we confront the clients and people bringing their bottles to save money. Never happen again. We used to have people that would get like, I don't know, 
a wine on 7-Eleven for 350 and just bring to the wine, to the restaurant and say, yeah, I pay 500 corkage, it's still 850, better than the wine you're going to serve right. price-wise. We don't get that anymore. So we have people that bring, hey, today is my anniversary. I have this uh, 15-year-old bottle I just want to open because it means something to me, to mm. my wife. And then that is very welcome in the restaurant. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And then that was a big change rarely see people bringing their their bottles at least to our places and then of course we're really happy and very grateful for that but it was also like a learning period right, right. like we have to work through it for years for people to be like oh yeah now they see our prices and they're like yeah there makes uh, no sense bringing mm. my own bottles so that was one of the the big difference and I think also levels of salt. When we opened the restaurant, wow, so many bad reviews because it was too salty. Was salty. Yeah. Oh, really? Interesting. But we never changed. Huh. And then I think people understood. They were like, wow, so this, this must be authentic. Right. And then I feel sorry, for example, for we have a lot of like brilliant chefs that are locals and they're cooking really good Italian food because they either worked under somebody or they traveled to Italy. They went to, there is a culinary school in Italy called Alma that is like, I couldn't even go there. It's like mm. really top notch stuff. And I know people that went to these places and they're here now and some of them open their own restaurants, but they cannot take the criticism so far. Mm. Like for me, the first year, we would have a lot of back, good. like this is salty, not good, not good, not good. But I was like, hey, this is how I'm going to do it. And I'm right. just going to keep through. And then we saw the, the light in the end of the tunnel, right? Like people today, they understand and then they appreciate. But a lot of people, they get that in their minds like, oh, my God, I need to change the way I cook. Right. Yeah. Are there places where you have found yourself compromising in some way for the local flavor or taste? And what, what is that? Is there some places where, you know, you find yourself catering in some way to... To be honest, on flavor, never. Awesome. I try the food that we cook. And if you come see me at Divino, you see I, I am eating most of the time. I'm not embarrassed of that. Because mm. for me... It doesn't matter how long I do this work. I still need to try the food when I'm cooking. Yeah. Because a lot of our food, they are made at the moment. So if you think, oh, yeah, I've done this for too long. I don't need to taste it anymore. That's when you lost respect for what you have. Mm. Right? Like if you're in the army, it doesn't matter if you shoot every day, you still clean your gun. Yeah. You check, you see if you have a capsule inside, right? Before you start playing around like a dumbass, mm -hmm. you, you respect. Because you know you shoot that, you can kill somebody, you it's can respect, hurt somebody. It's discipline. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I, I always taste uh, and then I do stuff that I would like to be eating. Because if you focus on trying to make somebody happy, you will make other people unhappy too. Exactly. Right? You can't worry about you everyone's opinion. You can never win. Yeah. yeah exactly. And then you look at the overall it's important, right? Like if you see the restaurant is working less, mm. nobody's coming, less reservations, then maybe you need to change something. Maybe right. you were wrong. Mm. But if you feel the restaurant is busy and most of the people are enjoying, then keep on that road, right? Like you never ever will make everybody happy. 100%. Yeah. But to make one person happy, I feel you got to be happy first. Mm, exactly. Right? It's infectious. Yeah. 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 When did it start turning around with COVID? Wow, for us, I think it was really fast. The moment they say uh, you can go out for dining, we were busy. Wow, and that's huge. Wow, 
you have to have this plastic in between the tables. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. And I didn't follow that rule. Nice. And <laughs> we got a couple like um, people Some, calling and we oh, really? pay a couple a fines. fines. They were 3000 each. I still think it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Good investment. Yeah. We separate the tables. Yeah. Right. But I didn't see that plastic between you and me a reason. We would put the plastic in between tables. Mm. But like you have a table for you get an Uber. You're all inside this Uber. You get in the restaurant and there's plastic all over you. Yeah. And I'm like, what is the point? Right. And then I think the fact that we were the only ones who were not actually respecting. Wow. People were having fun again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it really, boom, it kind of like picked up very fast after that. I do think people were missing heat, like yeah. uh, love. Oh, and I, Yeah. <laughs> and I think when you think about that, we will remind our, our restaurants. If you've been to any of them, you'll be mm -hmm. like, wow, I haven't seen these friends for a month, for a week. Uh, I've been locked inside the house or I just did quarantine. Yeah. I want to sit on a, in the chef's table. I want to be with people that know who I am, that talk, that mm. it, they're also going through something. You don't want to go to a place that everybody's like so... Right, so cold and yeah, it's just... Yeah, like looks like a robot almost, right? right? Like there's no feeling. Everybody were, were feeling at that point, right? Like 100%. we were all out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. uh, just enjoying the moment. Yeah. Enjoying other company as well. Yeah. And I need to say, we are very strong on social media. Uh, we try to do at least one post a day. Mm -hmm. uh, if it is a story or if it's an actual post... But we're constantly engaging with people. And then if you see our social media, it's not just about restaurants. It's about the lifestyle. It's about... I go out to other restaurants and I post on my social media. Also, I don't have a personal social media. Um, it's all your restaurants. It's all the restaurants. So yeah. when I go out, I post and then I'm happy to show to other people, hey, I'm a chef. I'm going to this restaurant. This is no competition. There is space for everybody. 100%. And then I appreciate what these people are doing. Uh, so during COVID, we were on social media all the time and we were explaining each wine because we had like a wine delivery system. Huh. So we'd be like, hey, how are you guys? Today's seven days that we've been locked and today we have Amarone. This is a wine made out of three grapes and they dry the, the grapes on the vine before making the wine or something like that. So we were educating we were constantly, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. But constantly reminding them. Yeah. I saw a lot of restaurants, they were so unprepared when COVID happened. They were like, wow, what are we going to do? It took them like three weeks to put a delivery system right online. right they so couldn't for, adapt exactly yeah and they have no way to communicate with their clients because they already didn't use social media you yeah. see like they have one post for christmas one for for eastern right like in a year so that was something that we were in everybody's like mind right so when they opened they were like wow i just listened to this guy for like one month talking about wine let's just go and check <laughs> right, it out right, right let's see what this is all about yeah it's the only one they remember so true right yeah it's good yeah. i mean so how did you stumble upon this i mean is this something that you had discovered before is this because you said you don't even have your own personal social media yeah or is it something that you kind of realize on the go? Like, whoa, this is this is a good way to build community and I, otherwise. I think just like the chef's table idea. I work for restaurants that they were very close-minded. And then I work for restaurants that they were looking at the future. Mm. And social media, you like it or not, is the future. Yeah. 
right? So you can be square and say, no, this is authentic Italian restaurant. We're never going to do this. And I don't post picture. I don't answer the review. I don't do nothing. Or you'd be like, hey, this is a company. Yeah. And I need to put my brand out there and then I need to represent my brand wherever I go. Right. Like mm -hmm. if I am in Taiwan, there is no dull moment. Right. Mm. Like you're not going to see me on the street vomiting at three in the morning. Like right. I need to be Maybe at five in the sharp. Yeah. You got to go a little <laughs> later. <laughs> But um, it's it's what I stole from other restaurants, mm. how they were strong on their social media. And then their social media it was something warm. Mm -hmm. Right. You have some social media that you'd be like, wow, every picture they post is like a photograph. Right. It's perfect. The Too thing, perfect. Right. Hours, you can clearly see that I'm doing on the phone and it's the <laughs> point of view is me in the kitchen from outside. So it just feels like this is... It's real. It's real. It's the, the, you know. There is a, a person behind that. It's not like a company doing this, uh, you know, like polite way, perfectly shiny. Very corporate. Yeah. There's no corporate. It's just yeah. messy. And then you come to the restaurant, you, you can see it. You can feel on it. The, on the run, right? Like mm -hmm. while you're there, you see us posting stuff. You see us taking picture. <laughs> and and the fire is just yeah, burning in the back. Taking care of the whole <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So where did this whole journey start? Because you mentioned as well, I heard you mentioned that your family was had restaurants or yeah. there's some connection to restaurants. Yeah. Where did your passion for cooking and did you always know that you wanted to be a chef and then also restaurants? Where did this all come from? I think I am very blessed in this part of my life. As I grew older, I see a lot of people struggling to still try to find what they like, what they want. Uh, and since I was really little, like maybe five, six, I I was very sure about it. I was like, that's what I want to do. So my grandmother... Five or six. Yeah. She used to bake bread and she would sell bread. That's what Fine. my... Yeah. yeah. She would do it to just help. Of course, my grandfather was... Um, paying most of the stuff but while taking care of the kids the grandkids and the house why not to make some loaves of bread and then just sell it so mm. i would help her and then as soon as i could get in a bicycle i would go in the neighborhood and try to sell so we were growing her business right like she was just selling for people that would come and right. grab it some friends and i say why we don't you guys just, were like distributing yeah just uh, i would just knock on people and say hey this is my grandmother bread can you buy some and wow he's like a little kid asking you to buy bread why would you not do it right? <laughs> yeah exactly like, um so it was good and then i had the passion to cook and help her with the bread but also i felt very good that i was getting my autonomy you know i always have money in my pocket Even yeah. I was eight, I didn't need to ask for ice cream. I could go and buy my own ice cream. And I, I always thought this is badass. That's crazy. So when I was 12, I started making parties at my house and other people's house. And I would invite maybe 10 to 12 people. And I would cook everything, charge them an entrance fee. And I would make money on it. And then at that point, I was making like really good money already, like for, for a 12-year-old kid. Yeah, of course. And yeah, then yeah, I was yeah. doing what I liked, which was cooking and hanging out with my best friends. And we start inviting girls to this party. Okay. So it would be like, hey, it's a 12-people party. We got six places for six boys and mm. six girls. Oh, nice. And then we would invite and then would come because at 12... 
of course, you already have your crush, but it's really hard to be like, do you want to go out with me or the cinema or something? You it's need an it's excuse. awkward, right? Yeah. But you say, hey, this is a party. So I'm inviting you and five of your friends. So you don't feel like, you know, like we're going one-on-one to the cinema. Yeah. It's weird. Well, at least back in the day, maybe things change, right? <laughs> right, right, right. But, uh, and then we would, we would have, and it would just be fun. We would start talking with the girls. Sometimes we would play afterwards, you know, like mm. hide and seek in the middle of the night. <laughs> it, was, it was just very, uh, it all came very natural. And it was very beautiful. Uh, having more friends, talking to people, and maybe getting a kiss here and there yeah. and having money on my pocket. Wow. So I was like, wow, I really, really enjoy doing this. I and love then the it, restaurant it, business. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is made for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was basically part of the party. Yeah, right. right? I was uh, like the big attention, right? Like I was yeah. cooking everything, but I always preparing menus that I would not be a hundred percent focused on cooking. Right. Right. You would do some stuff you put in the oven and then when people arrive, and you just, just can drink go, and have talk fun. And yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I really enjoyed. And then when I was 15, I actually had to be emancipated. I don't know if you have that word. Okay. Is that a thing? Yeah. Like, like becoming free from your parents? Is yeah. That, okay. Basically, yeah. I had the, the rights to... Oh, so like legally and Legally, yeah. Emancipated. Because okay. I was... I started working in a restaurant and... I think because restaurant has fire and knives and stuff. As a kid, you cannot work on it legally. Right. So I had to be emancipated so I could start working. And I was 15. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you have to undergo legal emancipation yeah. procedures yeah. so that you can legally work in yeah, a yeah, restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and then amazing. I started working and for me it was cool. It was tough because restaurants close very late in Europe. It's pretty hot during the summer. So nobody goes eat at six o'clock like here. People normally start around eight. And right. then you have the people that come at 10 as well. And then like Big until time. you clean the kitchen and everything, it's a one o'clock kind of job. So I, there was no public transportation. So I would just go back by bicycle. And then when I was 15, I just saved enough money, bought a motorcycle driving completely without a license for three years no way yeah, but i so the restaurant industry just gave me this i don't know freedom? like freedom yeah. yeah i could do stuff and my, my mom was like you know if anything happens you never call me because you should not be driving right right <laughs> but what can i do you're already emancipated and then you bought it with your own money so she kind of like yeah. i think looking back and talking to her she was proud but worried at the same time of course so she kind of like let loose Wow. Uh, but she, she never she never agreed with it she never was like hey i think you're doing really good and congratulations right. on the motorcycle she was like no she actually had a motorcycle and she never gave it to me oh and she didn't wow. even use she had a car and a motorcycle and then and her motorcycle was a nice motorcycle <laughs> that's the one and you i get like a really basically like a moped with the engine right. yeah like a tiny scooter yeah yeah <laughs> right Wow. So yeah. 15 until 18, you were you were doing this. Yeah. Driving all over the city, got a couple of uh, speed limit things. Oh, shit. And then it's weird because in Taiwan is the same thing. You can buy a property or a car mm. no matter your ages. If you have a six-year-old son, he can be the owner of the car. You can put a car on his name. Oh. But he cannot have a license. So what happens when you get a speed limit? You need to find somebody to take that thing. Because if if nobody takes the the responsibility, responsibility 
then it will be you because it's under your name. Right, right, right. And right, then right. you're in huge trouble because yeah. you should not even be driving at the first point and then you're over the speed limit. I got it three times. Oh, shit. But I, luckily, I always had good friends, so... <laughs> I, I would pay the bills, but I would put on their names, yeah. Oh, so you were living in Sicily. Yeah, exactly. I had my little mafia exactly. controls, yeah. Um, yeah, Damn. so I think this, uh, this freedom, the restaurant life gave to me, it really made me fall in love for it very soon. That's crazy. Uh, Was this in Rome? Where, where in uh, yeah. Italy are you from? Rome. Okay, yeah. you're a Roman. Yeah. Okay. I was born in Brazil, mm. but at this point I was, I was living in Rome. Right. But in the, in the other way, then I actually didn't end up going to university or mm. pursuing that thing, right? I skip that normal kind of yeah. path. And just so I think for a while I evolved, right? I was even emancipated. So I was much more responsible than any person. Yeah, big time. Uh, so independent. That I knew with that age. But in, and then I came to understand that later in life, not going to university and having this time that you, maybe you didn't work, you just study, or it's a process that you go through and you end up knowing yourself better. Mm. Like mm -hmm. university is not just for you to learn in your craft and how 100%. to be an engineer. It's also, Finding yourself. you are actually for the first time in a group with many adults, right? Because yeah. until then, you're all teenagers. Nobody's yeah. an adult. You have a single adult, which is the teacher and at home, the parents. But when you go to university, you have many adults. So you can kind of like study. You can mm. see different people. You learn a lot. I, I didn't have that. Right. So that's, we were talking before, right? Like this emotional knowledge, it came later for me in life. Right. That's why I think I was so extreme in so many I things. See. But... At the same time, there's no right path, right? Mm -hmm. That was my path. And 100%. it could go wrong. I believe today that it went pretty well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I am happy that I, I understood that and yeah. I did the full circle. That's true. Because some people, especially in the restaurant industry, going back 20 years ago, you feel them today very immature. Yeah. Because they just live that kind of life. So they have hard times controlling their, their feelings. And I do think that's why people think chefs, they're all aggressive. And mm. they're because this guy, he was basically a child still. And then he started cooking and then he lived with people that were also unbalanced. Yeah. And then that is the product that you get from, from this recipe, right? Like exactly. you put this person with a lot of unbalanced people. I'm not even talking about drugs and alcohol, mm. which is because that's really also a big really problem strong. in the kitchen. Yeah. 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 If yep. you're like a 16 year old and then you're exposed to all of that, yeah. the, the percentage and the probability that something bad will happen is really big. Exactly. So for some of it, I was lucky. And then I think I have a lot to, to thank my wife too. Definitely mm. a person that went completely the other side. Oh. Very focused on studies, went to university, master's and keep studying until today mm. uh, and have this like strong philosophy on life and managing her, her feelings. Uh, mm. So I think she, my mom grew me, but 
not fully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my wife she finished the job. Like wow. for these eight years that we That's... know each other, she met a very angry and um, explosive, explosive man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or even a boy. Right, right, right. And right. then with time, love, care, I I could, could go develop into develop a full a, man that you yeah, are now. That like maybe clearly not perfect, but more in control of my feelings and my actions, right? But a lot of people, like, it's funny, even yesterday, I had a friend that stopped by, also Italian, and then he was so angry because his father is pretty old, and, you know, he got into a scheme, like, people call you, ah, do you want to do this? A scam, yeah. Uh, do you want to do this and that? Okay, pass me your wallet number, right, like credit, card, credit number. card number. Uh, and he was so, he was still physically, how can you do this? And, and I was like, hey, this cannot control you. It right. is a bad thing. But at the same time, hey, maybe your father is a little lonely, right? Like for older people, they already don't understand much about internet and stuff. I probably don't understand much about internet stuff, but then you're lonely and then you have this person that finally is calling you every day to check on you and blah, blah. But they do need this credit card in the end. You don't realize. Mm -hmm. He grew up 70 years ago and people, they were not doing that. Exactly. At least not that frequently, right? Mm -hmm. So you still trust your neighbor you know them you go to their birthday parties and like the community was much smaller and as things change globalization we have a lot of great things that come with it right like mm. you can eat avocado any day of the year but at the same time you also have a lot of people that have completely other life's experiences and then they can fold you in two seconds because yeah. you still back on that day right so mm. i was like for him as a man a grown-up man i say you should not be that angry right because we almost can expect that bad things will happen it's just like you look at taipei today and it looks like it's gonna rain mm. but it's not raining right now but if i go on the street and it starts raining i should not get angry because right. it's clearly gonna rain <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, exactly, like because it's gonna happen so, yeah so if you cannot <laughs> prepare yourself for something that is uh, maybe won't happen but the probability that it will happen is pretty big right like it's just sometimes people suffer a lot with loss like oh my mom died and i have this 10-year depression happening mm. right and it is a bad thing yeah and Depression is a, a real thing, but it's also real that our moms will all die, yeah, right? Exactly. And then the, the natural course is that they will die before us. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it won't happen. But uh, if it happens, I think at some point we need to be prepared for it. You don't expect it. You don't want it to happen, but right. you need to be you prepared. You have to be prepared for that eventuality. Yeah. And in two other things in life, I could lose all my restaurants today. Mm. Uh, maybe, I don't know, we do some mishandling on the food. Somebody dies and tomorrow you closed. And today I was giving an uh, interview on the podcast, feeling I was uh, a great guy mm. or a good business owner, right? So mm. this could all disappear. I don't think we focus on that, but that is a thought that should be occurring on our lives. Exactly. Right? Like, At uh, least in the back of our mind, we yeah, have to understand yeah. that that's a possibility. Exactly. Like, especially like when you're waiting 35 minutes for a wave. Yeah. That is something exactly. that comes to my mind. <laughs> right? Like, exactly. Yeah. Like it might not ever come. 
Yeah. Or it will. It and when it does, yeah. you have to be ready, right? You have to be ready. You can't be like, oh, shit, I missed it. Yeah. Oh, I gotta and wait another. sometimes they come and then they just eat you. Yeah, that's and true. And speed you out. Like, exactly. And then you'll be like, well, that was also... Uh, that was an experience. Yeah, that was also I an learned experience. From that. And it was a possibility too. You know exactly. that it can happen. Yeah. So I feel having this control is something that is new to me. Hmm. And I like talking to it. Yeah. Uh, I like talking about it, right? right? It's new, not like yesterday, but like, wow, for Later the lifetime life. that I had, only the last three years I've been actually looking at this wow. is uh, really big. But I feel maybe something that we should be talking more often that should be brought on family dinners. Yeah. We should talk to our friends about it. Hopefully one day the school can also be thinking about that, right? Like 100%. we are growing humans, not just to solve mathematical problems, but also to deal with their own personal problems. Amen. Yeah. Amen yeah. to that. Seriously. And looks like shout out to your wife. I mean, yeah, she's Lindsay. She's amazing. Lindsay. Yeah. Good job. You tamed this wild beast yeah, here. She was like a Dalai Lama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously. God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so grateful. And I think also that, like being grateful for these things in life is what makes you happy, 100%. right? Like if you cannot show this gratitude to people that either work with you or are living with you in your house or mm. people that cross your, your path somehow, like mm. you need to be grateful for all these interactions. And like, I am a busy man, but you take time off for this stuff because it, it really matters. Like, yeah. I, I hope somebody can be listened to this and be feel like, oh, this is, this is good. I'm happy that I tune in and I mm -hmm. listen to this. But even if nobody ever listened to this conversation, mm. I'm still grateful that you invite me and then we can exactly. just uh, share this. 100%, yeah. 100%, man. Speaking of that, what does the future hold for you? Are there some kind of maybe more short-term goals that, you know, you're interested in either doing or developing um, either personally or professionally? Yeah. And also, yeah, even long-term, do you have any thoughts or ideas? Well, so I, I feel very lucky for all that I accomplished in my work life, right? Uh, when I was a kid, I was always sure I wanted to have a restaurant. I was never sure I was going to get it. Mm. And then once I got it, my dream was to have a busy restaurant, even beyond making money or not. I just don't like having an empty restaurant. I like this feeling, the feeling that we provide in Divino and so many people talk about it. Oh, the atmosphere, the atmosphere. Actually, that's the only thing it's not on the menu. Mm. every night the atmosphere is created because people come and then they come to have fun and then we have very little to do with it mm. and we cannot control and right. some nights are off especially special nights mm. like we feel like valentine's day i was about to say there is like day. a lot of people they're just coming because they need to check in and you know yeah. we've heard is good so we're just gonna go and i feel it's good but they don't come to enjoy their dinner. They are there just because they had to go somewhere right. because it's like it's almost forced, right? Yeah. Like it's the difference when you go somewhere because you want it, right? And some places you go because you have to, right? Like some people, they go to church and say, fuck, I need to go to church. I need to wake up. Yeah. Some people, they actually are excited, right? Right. Like, right. Wow, right. I can't wait to go to church tomorrow. <laughs> see yeah. what the, the priest going to say or mm. something like that. And then I think as a priest, sometimes you can differentiate that. 
Mm. You see everybody just like, oh my God, <laughs> yesterday was New Year's Eve, which just got super fucked up. And I, now it's eight o'clock and I'm here listening to this guy. In church. Right? And then some days you pray you, you and you feel the energy. Mm. People are back, they're clapping, right? right? Like, especially, yeah. yeah. So you feel it. And I think I accomplished in my work life more than I ever expected. So mm. having the second restaurant, having the third restaurant, yeah. and then... Uh, start helping people that make the restaurants grow with me. So that was like a, a big thing for me. But I realized that like uh, balance in life is so important. So I was a chef trained in Michelin star restaurants. Mm -hmm. Of course, in the back of my mind, having a Michelin recognition, mm. it would be really cool. Right. 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 Uh, having a Michelin star. Wow. So yeah. much respect. Right. It's yeah. amazing. But at the same time, I don't want to be exceptional in one part of my life and not be at good the expense of in something others. Else. Yeah. yeah. So work-wise, I am very happy where I am. And then, of course, if Michelin comes, wow. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm even more happy, <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. But I'm not going to put more energy to that and take it. away from my time with my family Right. So I feel this balance is between work, family, friends, your health, like mm. your your body, like your, your physics. Right. Mm. And maybe your spiritual. Mm -hmm. And then for that, it could be like a religion. Some people are very religious and I respect that. I am not a religious guy, mm -hmm. but I feel very spiritual. I am mm. connected to the nature And then I just, I think every religion, they're just trying to teach us how to be better humans, right? Yeah. And then I am very invested on that, mm -hmm. how to be a better person. So that is my religion. And mm -hmm. then some people, they need a story behind it mm -hmm. to be good. Mm -hmm. Some people don't. Yep. And then I respect both of them. So I think from now on, my goal is to have more and more balance between those things, mm -hmm. right? Like, so when I think... Uh, a year from now, I want to be working a little less. I do work a lot. And after COVID, I haven't seen my family for a while. We got married last year. And I realized my mom's also getting old. Right. So living in Taiwan is beautiful, but it's also far away from a lot of people that grew up with me, people that are part of my life. People who emancipated you at exactly. 15. <laughs> And, and people that made who I am today, they gave me so much values. And then I have childhood friends that are still really connected with me. Mm -hmm. So I think finding the balance between saying maybe no to some parts of work and also money, because every time I'm not here, one restaurant closes and it is hard. Yeah. But I trying to balance on that. And again, think not as a race is a marathon right like it's not a sprint yeah. so maybe i will do a little less money but in the end in the of the race run, it's a better when race. something happened with a family member you'd be like wow i just seen that person or maybe i can even stop whatever i'm doing to go check on them not on bad things but good things too yeah going course. for celebrating for marriages and i have friends that are having their first babies right now. And we have uh, friends that are like going for vacations and inviting us like, hey, do you want to go, I don't know, to Machu Picchu and see this? Machu and Picchu's then I, yeah, I was always <laughs> like, no, no, I need to work. I need to work. And then I think finding the balance is uh, number, number one. And then 
I feel I never felt so much joy by anything else besides helping other people or like sharing with other people.、Mm. And I think my wife did so much for me. And then I think her career is getting really strong. And then I hope I can also help her back. Maybe I don't have all the experience she does as a professional in her field. And then I also don't have all the college diplomas. But I feel I've been a leader for most of my life. And now she's on that phase. She's becoming a leader. She has. A group of people that follow her,、mm. and then if I can help her ten、uh, percent to make her goals also being like checked out, like、mm. achieved, right? And then for a long, long life goal, I really would like to retire here. To be honest, like to keep living in Taiwan. Wow! And then at that point, I want to be able to still work because I really like my work. Yeah. But we grow bigger with the time, and maybe I would like to go back to something really small and really fun. So Luke, Petra, Nuk, of course, I have other people in my team like、mm. Austin, Rob, Ryan, Ma. That they would care for some some of the restaurants that we might even keep,、mm. but I would like to open a small restaurant with some of these people, almost like a Japanese omakase, yeah, like、right. maybe a twelve seat, and everybody's around the chef's table. And of course, it's about food, but it's also about coming and enjoying and talking. You know, having this. Relationship and not as much pressure、yeah. to be like we need to be full and we need to do two rounds or something like that. Like have something that it would be like it's an experience. Yeah, it's like celebrating life and yeah. food. Yeah, and then everybody that is there, we don't work because we really need that anymore. Like we are at the stage of our lives that we keep doing what we're doing because we love it. Yeah, just, not because we need to pay the bills, right? Exactly. Like, I feel that would be a really beautiful. Arc like、mm. I worked really hard since I was young. I got emancipated when I was fifteen.、Uh, I'm on my thirties now, and I keep pushing. I open the restaurants. I push people that work with me to look for bigger goals to and keep doing better and better. And then I think as I age, it would be beautiful to like almost have this place. Where you can share this experience, not just the food,、mm. right? It's like a little bit of the philosophy inside of me. I feel we used to have a lot of thinkers. If you go back two thousand years ago, Greece, you would have philosophers on the streets, and then they would open their own schools, and then they would share this knowledge. Not because they wanted you to follow their cult, but because they were happy, and then they were they were in this search for happiness,、yes. and they were finding some real good tools、yep. to get closer to it.、Mm. So they were sharing, right? Like I'm really into stoicism, and if you see、mm. like great leaders like Marcus Aurelius, that. It was a Roman Empire, Roman, yeah,、exactly. and then he would eat with the common people, and then he would not wear the the fancy clothes of the emperors, and he could walk on the street without being afraid of being assassinated.、Mm-hmm. Wow, that is a lot of respect. Yeah, right. I feel these. 
people, they were always available to have this kind of conversation, to talk to people. And people were more interested in actually having these talks, right? Mm -hmm. And not just thinking about what is the next plane or oh, I flew business class and now I have American black and I have this and I bought that and it's like great and all oh, my kids are here. and Yeah, but they only watch the iPad and then right, right, everything right. that you're saying, you're buying, you're doing, you're actually not even using. You have a Ferrari, but you never go beyond 200 kilometers an hour. So what exactly. is the point so of it? So don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think sharing that it would be in a nice way, right? Like you never want to force anything. Right, right. But you just share a little bit. And I feel people that come to Divino, they understand that. They see that you look at me, I am, this is winter. Mm. And then I'm as brown as brown could be, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Because I do go to surf. Mm -hmm. And then I have everybody say, wow, you're Italian. Why don't you have a Ducati and blah, blah. And then I have a Yamaha motorcycle that is like, 10 years old now mm. and then i i'm just happy with it mm -hmm. and by the way a ducati was been broken by then right yeah, after so 10 true. years yeah, i yeah, haven't yeah. seen a 10-year ducati <laughs> never <laughs> broke true. um but the yamaha does the job yeah and i and then i like it and i'm happy because mm. it gives me this security right like i have something that i know not gonna break on me and he, he transport me from one place to another. So I am actually using whatever I have. And then I don't have this need of more, even if I could afford it. So I think passing some of this little life knowledge, it would be really good, especially because I think this next generation will be very focused on having. It's a little scary, a little worry, a little having, sad. Having more and yeah. having more, but not so deep. Yeah. Nothing, anything so deep. Yeah. Yeah. And not even appreciating what you have, right? Like you yeah. see, you have iPhone 16 and then the 17 come, you get it. And the 16 is just, is yeah. just Goes put in it the drawer. on in the drawer. And then maybe you even know at least seven people that would love to have the 16, but you don't even offer, right? Right, like, right, right, right. It's right. crazy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think that would be like a, a life goal to <sighs> be able to transcend. Like a restaurant doesn't need to be just for feeling your 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 belly it could feel more than that and if people come and then they're in need of actually having a little bit heart to heart conversation that would be a place that they could come and find it because it's getting harder and harder right like mm. even with friends me and my wife have a, a really different approach of it when i see something of course i try to expose myself in the best way I possibly can but i do tend to confront things that i think that are out of the normality so for example i have a great friend that is uh, is married and maybe having some trouble understanding his wife mm. and then maybe letting her express herself mm. and then that is something if i see you come in the restaurant and i see you cutting your wife or making fun on everything she says because maybe her pronunciation is wrong or something like that i would grab you later and say hey she's trying man just mm. be more mm. appreciative of it yeah so I think being just more involved in everything, but without this, I am right and you're wrong. You know, when you get older, it's easy to do that. Yeah, exactly. Me now with 30 and trying to tell people something like that is really hard. <laughs> right, right, right. But right, I think right. when you get some white hair on and, right. you know, you look like, I don't know, not Tom Cruise anymore, like Santa Claus, <laughs> hey, it makes uh, it makes it easier. 
So that's what we can look forward to. Santa Claus with his yeah. little omakase restaurant. Exactly. Omakase Divino Christmas. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> In the heart of Taipei. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> How long do we have to wait, man? <laughs> we're, we're, we're excited already. Yeah. We, can, we can dye your hair gray. And yeah. Let's get this, let's wow, get this open. Wow, it's not that far, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on the process, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you're getting ready for that. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I hope that like in the next five to 10 years, mm. this will come. Come to fruition. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would actually love to do it in Divino, mm. uh, change a little bit the spaces because, wow, that corner is just magical. That corner Everything is so started perfect. there and then it's just have a good energy. So having something that would be this deep, it, it would mean a lot to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think that space is really perfect, actually. Yeah. yeah, really amazing location. Even that small patio, but it's yeah. it's so cozy. Yeah. And then the window is right there, and yeah. you're, you're going to be there. I just feel blend so much because yeah. you look outside, it's completely Taiwan. Yeah, right? it's so... And yeah. then if you're standing on the patio and then you look inside, you'd be like, this look like an Italian restaurant. Like, it looks like a little piece of Italy we transported, just, right? Exactly, like, yeah. just plop it down in the yeah. middle of, yeah. right next to a night market, exactly. which is like the most Taiwanese thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's a special place. What we created there, I think would be hard to recreate, right? So it's, a, so it's a really, really, really good place. That can transform, we'll see, we'll yeah. see. Oh man, that's amazing. Okay, so before we go, mm. I was thinking that we can play a little fire lightning round of rapid questions. Wow, I'm really bad at rapid questions. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took me a while here to see, but yes, well, let's try. Okay, Do let's I have try, like let's a try. maximum of words or something, or it's time? I can just speak fast. Okay. Exactly, just speak fast. <laughs> you shouldn't just answer yes and no. Mm -hmm. You try to elaborate a little bit, yeah. but... Keep it short and fast as okay. much as possible. All right. Are you ready, sir? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Number one, Rome or Milan? Rome. I think there's way more culture there. Milan, there is culture, but they also became a big city. So life needs to go on, money, you have the, the New York uh, stock market, like it's Milan stock market, right? Rome, you still can get lost in the city and sometimes you're like, which century are we? So I feel that is a very special thing. Do you have a city that is cosmopolitan and it's happening, but at the same time, Ancient. you- yeah. It's amazing. So, cannot beat that. Florianopolis or Sao Paulo? Florianopolis. Yeah, that's actually one of the places I want to retire. Yeah, so my our idea, we would spend time in Taiwan and Florianopolis also because two, surfing. Two beautiful islands where you can yeah, surf. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I right? have very attractive water, I would say. <laughs> exactly. That's a dream. Yeah. That's like, that's perfect right there. Next one. What's your favorite ingredient to cook with? Salt, we mentioned it many times, right? It's the thing that if it's missing, it just makes me less happy a little bit. Yeah, like I, some dishes you'd be like, wow, this is cooked to perfection. Everything is on spot. It's just missing salt. And then 
I have no problem asking, so I'm I, I get happy in the end. <laughs> exactly. So this is probably easy. What's your favorite cuisine to cook? Italian. Yeah. What is your favorite Italian dish to cook? Wow, carbonara. <sighs> yeah, we had your carbonara. Like if you said to me, like you die, what is the last dish? Is carbonara? Yeah. That's one of the questions. Now we know. Done. Yeah. <laughs> But give me guanciale, pecorino, pepper, and good pasta, because I'll do it myself. Ah, I, nice. That is the dish I never order in restaurants unless I really trust the restaurant. Right, you yeah. got to really have If I'm about faith. to die, I'm like, okay, I want to cook it, because eating shitty carbonara before you die is just like, just kill me like first, right? That's like double death. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most challenging dish you've ever prepared? Wow. Wow, I got to say, it might be carbonara too, because carbonara is really to, to fuck, fuck it up, up. Yeah. yeah and even now because i cook so many carbonara in my life like growing up in rome it's the, the city's dish right so when you're on the ranks like you're starting to cook they will make you cook carbonara because that is over and what over and you over would di differentiate you from like a, a guy who doesn't know how to cook Right? So now in the restaurants, I actually don't cook it anymore. Austin is doing most of the time, but some nights we sell so many, so we need two people cooking at the same time. And then I cook and then I always feel pressure. Not just because it's a hard dish, but also because Austin does it very well. So I'm like, fuck, I cannot do less than him, right? Like, yeah, of course. I need to do well, but he's sharp because he's doing every day. Yeah, and wow. it is a dish that I do believe you need to maintain it. You cannot be like, oh, I haven't cooked in three years. Okay, come here, make a carbonara. It's really easy to make it wrong. So I respect a lot that dish. It's three of my answers now. Yeah, exactly. Best dish, what I want to eat before I die, and which one is the hardest. There you go. Carbonara. Carbonara. It's Amazing. like a single-minded chef. <laughs> <laughs> Give me more to work, Enrico. <laughs> What's the best cooking advice you've ever received? Cook for yourself or for your family, right? Like every time you have somebody, just cook like you love this person, like you're cooking for your grandmother, the same way your grandmother cooked for you. When you go to your grandmother's house, she cooks with love, right? Like right. she, she's like, oh, my grandkid is coming. Let's make this delicious food. So I think when you cook, you need to cook for a person or for yourself. If you don't have that person in the room that day, just cook as like, wow, I want to sit and eat this food. Beautiful. What's the one tool in your kitchen you can't live without? I think most chefs would say uh, chef's knife, but I would say coffee machine because working those hours and surfing, wow, <laughs> if you don't have some caffeine, man, you're doing other stuff. Right. <laughs> oh, you're a perfect Italiano and a Brazilian, yeah. right? Coffee. Yeah. Coffee. Coffee, yeah, Brazil and Italy. Yeah, we produce, they, uh, how do you say, burn it, they roast yeah, it, roast right? It. Yeah, because Italy actually famous for coffee but don't have any coffee yeah, yeah it's coming from like yeah. africa Ethiopia, africa or, or brazil yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. oh damn yep and we're enjoying our black coffee here yeah. as well so okay what is your favorite cooking technique hmm. i'm grilling you on this fire food. fire for nothing cozo. can yeah nothing can beat that you can season the food in many different ways but the flavor that the real fire give to the food is 
uh, uncomparable. Um, yeah. And it, it's something that is so connected to us. It's basically change our age, right? Like between having dominance of fire and not having dominance of fire, the human beings change their age. Right? Evolution. Like, exactly. So, wow. There is a lot of cooking techniques, but when you can manage fire, it's really beautiful. You see a lot of people, they're afraid of fire or they cannot cook on fire. It's hard because there's no timing, pee, 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 pee. And my chefs are like, how can I cook this or that? But each day is different. The fire can be really strong. Fire can be low temperature fire. Like uh, you gotta, you gotta live with you it. You really need to go through it. It's almost like surfing. No wave is the same, right? So you need to understand the waves and surf it. And I feel fire is the same. You need to understand the fire and go with it. So I feel fire is yeah number one. Yeah, and Mocha's oh cheering God. you on. Yeah, good girl. What is your favorite food memory from childhood? I think as a Brazilian, it's not just a food. It's more like a, an event. But uh, most of Brazilians, they have a barbecue on Sunday. What we normally do is the family that host the barbecue, they probably will do charcoal and meat. But everybody that comes, they will bring their own food. And then for us growing up, it was in my grandmother's house. And we, we I grew up pretty poor. And I would say to my grandmother's like, wow, this is crazy. Every Sunday, like we would not eat meat very often during the week. But in the Sunday, we would have like this big roast or something. And then I was like, isn't it like hard financially? Like, why do we invite so many people? And then my grandmother always said that to me. She's like, making these lunches, it doesn't matter how much I put on the table. When everybody goes, I always have more. Because first, people were grateful and they would bring their own like, oh, that's my salad recipe or this is my rice, this is my beans or this is this and that. And then they would, of course, leave. Nobody would be like, oh, let me take home, right? So we would actually have food for the rest of the week and my grandmother as a lot of people that are struggling in life are very creative right so she could transform that food into five different foods for the monday to friday and i as a potential chef couldn't even realize that she was utilizing or re yeah, reusing right. everything that we had from that barbecue so yeah wow this was special <laughs> i love it man all right so What's your favorite surf spot? Ooh, wow. Yeah, I went to Bali, so that, that is big. But my favorite surf spot is Wan Lee. It's my town. 5 a.m., you can find them there. Yeah, and then it's just the waves are not the best. But wow, I know everybody. Everybody knows me. I have two dogs. I come, the dogs are in the beach. Everybody like the dogs. And it's just, it feels like home. That is my hometown there. You still have that space there? That, that one you rented? No. So we gave up on that because I bought this Vatica and we make like a little house inside the Vatica. Right. Like a camper. Well, camper, you might have a wrong idea. <laughs> it's really just like... It's just a little bit yeah, on that. Yeah, it's just like a, used to be a seat. It became a bed with right. a couple cushions on top. But yeah, that's it. True surf style. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So what is the biggest wave you've ever ridden? Wow, that is uh, fun. Typhoon day, just me and Luke. The beach was closed, but we drove all the way there. We didn't know it was going to be closed. So we say, oh, let's just go. Nobody was around. And we got some scary waves that day, four or five meters. And we surf longboard. So 
Normally, when you have long uh, long board, you don't want to surf anything beyond six feet, two meters. Well, yeah, I did. Because uh, if you long board, when the wave crash, you can actually broke your break your board if right, you're in, in the wrong. Yeah, but it didn't happen, so it was it was a good typhoon day. day. Yeah, yeah. What is your favorite type of board to ride? I think. As you get more experienced, it's normal to want a smaller board. I can do surf smaller boards, but I like the long board better. It's just cruising. It's longer. It's less aggressive, it's but it's yeah, yeah. It's more chilling. I push myself a lot in sports before, and then now I have a sport that I actually enjoy. I don't right. need to prove nothing. There's no best time or scores, and so it's just I like chilling and longboard. Yeah. What's your go-to post-surf meal? Wow, that's easy. It's sweet potato and tea eggs. Oh, you're so Taiwanese. Yes, I love it. Super Taiwanese. That's amazing. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially and, over there, there's and good actually, sweet potato. Exactly. Jinshan. Yeah. yeah. Every time we go back to Taipei, you have to stop at a spot. So there's you no Seven Eleven potato. You have We're to get fancy a bag here. Of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go to this place, and the potato is a bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's that, and then next to them is a Seven Eleven. So I get the tea eggs. The tea eggs. Yeah, yeah. For some protein. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And then while you're driving, we're just eating sweet potato and eggs. Ah, it's funny. Dogs are all over trying to steal from me. <laughs> so this might have been answered with a typhoon, but what is your most memorable surfing experience? In Bali, I I had some really good memories because the waves are very different, and then I could actually get a um, how you say a tube for the first time. And I think once you get that, you like wow. That's really surfing. Yeah, you're like, well, I was inside of the water, like yeah, barrel, yeah. So you see that closing up on you, and then you you show the other side. Whoa, that is, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just like unbelievable. How can I do that, right? Like you did that in Bali. Yeah, yeah. I think here in Taiwan, the waves. Maybe if you go down to Taidong, you Mm. can get some, but it's not very easy to get one. Well, in, in Bali is way more easy. Uh, the waves are they are very strong, but they they're they're would say like soft because they don't break all at the same time. Like they start breaking, breaking, breaking. So you, if you're inside, you can get out as well. Here, sometimes you catch, but they would just close on you. Oh, yeah, swallow you up. Yeah. Okay, so if you could have any animal as a pet, but it had to be a mythical creature, which one would you choose? Wow, that is also fun. I think I would have the, I don't know the name. There's a lion with like um, ego at the same time, you know? It's like a lion and then he has also the ego wings. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that would be badass. Yeah, that would be pretty badass. Yeah. Okay. I'm crazy about lions, right? So. Oh yeah, yeah. you're tatted up with it. Okay. But yeah, I think if it's a mythological you thing, can that would be cool. not only have wings, it'll be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. Okay. If you could eliminate one thing from the world forever, what would it be? War. Living in Taiwan, a lot of people ask me, what if it happened? Would you fight? Would you? And I think that is the singular most stupid thing a man could ever do. It's, it's war. It's fight. As I say, communication is a primary thing. A virtue. That a primary virtue that differentiates us from other people. So lion fights, right? Sometimes lions, they kill their own fathers because they want to claim that clan or that area. We should not be like that. 
we should be able to communicate and resolve things peacefully. I, <laughs> I look behind on history and I never seen a war that actually did something that you'd be like, wow, this is really good. I see time passes and then whatever they were fighting for, in the end, they're all shaking hands. So like imagine how many people are dying in Ukraine now and in the Russian front as well. And then probably 50 years from now, these people will be traveling and then having vacation in the same spot. So yeah, this is sad. Oh man, this is maybe kind of related to that, but I'll just ask it. If aliens landed on Earth and asked you to explain human behavior, what would you say? I would take them to Divino. <laughs> I'd be like, you come, you watch me cook, and we can talk, but you will see other people too. Like human behavior is so different, right? Like from different cultures, from different backgrounds, everybody's unique. So it's really hard to have a complex understanding very fast through a single talk. But I think the best way to learn is by observing it without judgmental, in, at least in the beginning, right? Like, like we said before, we need to have hands-on so you can actually get to the knowledge, right? So I think if you want to understand human behavior, you have to analyze it without criticizing it. And then after you analyze enough, then maybe you can make some critics. Yeah, exactly. Finally, what is the meaning of life? I think you've pretty much answered it this whole podcast, but yeah, I, how can you sum it up? I think it's uh, being open to always learn and finding balance. I think those were the two things, right? Like if I was not open to learn, I could not be where I am today. And I can never... <laughs> I can never know how I will be 10 years from now because I hope I will keep learning. And then finding the balance while you're, you're learning is really important. But we should all be happy, right? Mm -hmm. And here's a saying that says, I, I used to complain that I didn't have shoes until I met the guy that didn't have feet. Oh, shit. So, yeah. hey, True that. it doesn't matter where you are right now, how hard it looks, just try to be happy because for sure there are some people that are doing worse and some people are doing better too but just be happy with what you got be grateful right yeah 100% oh man I think it's a beautiful way to end it thank um, you yeah I've been happy throughout this whole thing I'm hungry <laughs> now funny. I'm hungry too <laughs> <laughs> Um, please, please, please come and if you guys haven't been there yet, go to Divino, go to Divino Enoteca up in Tianmu or right down the street from Divino is Focoso. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, please look out for in about 10 years when his hair is all gray. Mm hmm. The Keep omakase. following us. Yeah, exactly. See, as it gets gray, it's getting closer. Exactly. You guys will hear it first there. So you guys can find them, I think, mostly on Facebook and IG. Yeah. Okay. And then just under those things. and Yeah. And we're very active. So and our whole business model is to be very personal. Mm. Right. So you see our social media, you can tell that like we are making it. And then some things are outside of our uh, industry, right? It's not restaurant related, but we're still there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think that is a way we do to show people that this is like a, a business made with people inside. Mm. And if anybody needs to connect, uh, we're right there. We're like a, a message away. So any question, please bring it on. 
uh, restaurant related or not. Exactly. And if you have a review that's less than five stars, please come talk to us first. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make it right. Yeah. amazing so yes thank you thank you so much for coming in here sharing this time sharing your stories it's been absolutely amazing and i hope people can really appreciate more how difficult it is to not only be a chef but a business owner especially in another country Mm -hmm. and hopefully they can come celebrate with you as well thank you for the invitation and also uh, it's the first time i'm here and Mm. I saw what you're doing on the school too. Mm. Uh, and since I, I arrived, I was like, Taiwan needs more of that. It needs this thinking outside of the box. Uh, life is not just filling the right spots and getting to the next level. It's also enjoying the ride. And yeah, thank you for bringing this point of view to Taiwan. Oh man, beautiful. Mm. I love it, man. And I'll, we'll, we'll be coming in again very soon. Thank you. Chef's, the table. chef's table, brother. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Peace, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.